G'day everyone, for those who have come in late, you're listening to x The Phantom Podcast. The survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom the ghost who walks the Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom Hello, we are the Chronicle Chamber team and this is x Podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via our email which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com You can subscribe to us via YouTube or through your favourite podcast apps including iTunes or Spotify. This is episode 214, which will be our March 2022 Comics and News podcast. My name is Jermaine, and I am joined by the full perepha of the guys, Dan and Stephen. How are you guys going? I'm good, Jermaine. Um, very pleased to be here. It's a Sunday night, and uh, we get to talk about Phantom Comics, and there might not be very many frues, but there is a lot of news, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. <laughs> you're a poet, and you didn't even know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Stephen, you're like me. You've uh, you've been handed the the daunting responsibility of looking after your kids this weekend by our while our wives on opposite sides of Australia went away and played. How are you? I'm very well. My kids were very well behaved. We went out to the Begonia Festival here in Ballarat. It's been great. I'm just I'm looking at the screen. I actually feel a bit naked. I'm not wearing a, a phantom hat. But <laughs> I was going to comment on Jermaine's hat. Now, that's, uh, this is the first time I think we've seen you wear this hat on the podcast, German. Um, that exact hat, the Phantom Club cap, um, was an absolute favourite of mine in grade 9, 10, 11. I'm going to say I wore it all the time to school. Um, but some bullies on the back of the... I'm sure I told this... I might, I've probably told this during the podcast before, but um, some bullies on the bu- at the back of the bus took exception to my phantom cap, and most days they would pull it off my head uh, as they ran off the bus and put it under the back wheels as the bus drove away. So <laughs> I had to get my cap back off the street. Um, I can't believe you're... you're I, I've, I've got a replacement since, and I'm very, very pleased with it. Um, I can't believe you're actually wearing it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if it is a Phantom Club hat or what, but uh, a recent acquisition. Uh, it's like a, a Cordroid, and we all know we all love the Cordroid back in the 90s. Um, but, pants. yeah, I had the Cordroid pants. I even had a Cordroid jacket as well, mate. I was styling. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I thought I'd pull it out, um, you know. But, yeah, no. So, look, it's going to be a... a Hopefully not too long podcast, but we will get straight into it. And the first comic that we are going to discuss are from the Fru. Uh, there's three of them. Uh, the first one is 1911, which I don't actually have with me. I've got a copy of it, so I'll just... Uh, oh, and Steve does as well. It's the, the Fru replica with the boxing phantom. Yeah, so look, guys, straight up, the boxing theme cover. What are your thoughts? Well, it made me turn straight to the boxing-themed story in the middle of it. Um, and that's the only story I've read of this one so far. Um, Glenn Ford, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Glenn Ford, yep. Um, and he's done a, 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 at least a couple now covers where he's kind of got the Phantom back to, to the audience. I think um, it was one of the, I'm going to say double O. Was it a double O or an annual where there was a, um, a was Phantom it? with his back to the audience? The, uh, the pirate themed one for Supernova, I think. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm thinking ones earlier than that too. Yeah, but it's definitely got, it's still got his traditional side-on face. I know myself as someone who, you know, used to used to like drawing. I drew that pose of the Phantom, I don't know how many times. Uh, and it's a, a typical Glenn Ford um, pose where his chin's bigger than his forehead and his nose. Uh, it's, it's iconic. Look, for me, straight up, I'm hoping this is going to be a, something we'll see more often, and that is a themed front cover for the replica issues because... I can tell you right now that the next uh, collector's issue or collector's replica issue is not going to have a is not going to have a boxing themed story. So what I mean is that I hope that uh, we see a different cover for issue number thirty one. What about you guys? Would you like to see a different uh, a different cover, a different theme for each one? It's certainly an interesting. Um little happenstance, I suppose, in the Collector's Replica series and much maligned, we must say. People love it, people loathe it, whatever. Um, but so far, this is only the fourth different cover we've um, we've got of the Collector series. There was the the photo, of, and I'm going to say this off the top of my head and get it all wrong, I'm sure, but there was the photo of the, the bust to begin yep. with, of the sculpture. Um, we've just recently... Um, oh crap, I just looked at it before. There was an Eden Small cover, which was, again, of the face. Yep. Um, they've all been pretty much concepts or variations from different artists of the face. So yeah. This is again, oh, the monkeys, the monkeys of Melbourne bust was, of course, the first one. Yes, which is just to your to your left or right. Yeah, over there. Which way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so look, it's the first time that we've seen more than just a phantom's face on a replica. Um, I don't know. Let's see what happens for number thirty-one. It might actually be the most anticipated, most uh, yeah, most anticipated uh, replica series issue to see. It'll be, it'll be interesting because, like you say, issues 109, 108, 107 in through don't have the Masked Marvel or any other boxing-themed stories. So to have this appear, and let alone for the next nine more of these books, would just not seem um, logical. Uh, wouldn't make it much sense. So whether they've decided to step away from having the same cover for 10 consecutive um, collectors' Uh, replica series. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. They have put the um, the 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 where are we? The Glenn Lundston yep. little corner box in there, um, which is a new one for the collector series as well. Yeah. So for those who want to know, the stories are the movie stars, which it was actually in the second trade paperback by Fru, which had the replica. Um, no, it had a sequel story by uh, Peter Emerson and Shane Foley. The Heavyweight Champion, which is one that we've just been talking about, which I really enjoy that story. Uh, the Martian yeah, it was a good series. read. I just reread that one just before mm. we came back to air. And mm. It is a really good story. I enjoy it. The whole sequence at the end of them of the, of the actual fight is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, you've got the second part of the Marshall Sisters, um, and that's another, to be honest, it's another cracking story. Yep. Uh, and then you've got those shoplifters um, by Lee Fork, and all of them are by Lee Fork and Wilson McCoy. Now, the shoplifters, to be honest, is probably won't fit the, the standard of a classic, but it's a you know it's a good story. It's just not a classic that you go out of your way to reread mm. countless times. Probably like the the heavyweight champion and the Marshall sisters. 
I reckon those are the classics of this lot where you actually go out and read those stories countless But that's where it's good that the something like the shoplifters does get repeated because it's not the sort of thing that people are going to um, come across any yes. other way. So I, I think as a as a group of stories, if you wanted to say to someone, well, here's what Lee Fork and Wilson McCoy were like, um, it's a good little package of stories to to demonstrate that era of um, of the newspaper strip. Yeah. So I don't believe it. Are we actually praising a replica issue? <laughs> I was just going to say that. Do you think a lot of it's <laughs> to do with the fact that we've got a themed cover? Oh, I think we're probably spending more time on it because it's the shift in cover and then we're, yeah. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always said that the Collector's Series, uh, this replica series does have a place. Um, so, no, I'm... I'm I haven't gone through and read them again, um, Steve. Unlike yourself, you've at least read through the um, the heavyweight champion again. I flicked through it and, and enjoyed the art again, but um, you didn't have time to actually read the stories. The, the story, the, the production quality of the stories is also good as well, which does help. Yeah. All yeah. right, let's move actually, on. One, one little point. One when more thing. When you're talking about the the profile of his face in the yes. on the front cover, that. Um, if you look in all the newspaper articles on in the uh, in the actual story, it's got the exact same profile. Just a little tidbit, probably I don't know whether it was um, good luck or good management, but it was just a little yeah, right. calling out to the to the newspaper article. No worries. All right, we are going to move on to fruit issue one nine one two. As you can see, if you're on YouTube again, you uh, you can see the front cover. I will be flicking through the story as we discuss it uh, in a second as well. Now, this is the first of six issues. We're only going to be reviewing two issues because that's all that's out at the moment, and then they're taking a little bit of a mini break. So um, we're going to be talking about through issue 1912, The Phantom Goes to Hell, uh, the cover. Um, oh, man, what's, what's the name of it? Uh, Turid Aurora Walderhug. Um, is the name of the artist um, which of the front cover. Uh, Percy Okaya is the interior artist and Pity Anderson is the writer. So, um, Stephen, do you want to start us off with your thoughts of the story? Um, well, it's an interesting story. It, it, it um, puts the Phantom in Paris. It's the, or which number Phantom? The 19th Phantom um, is in Paris on its honeymoon to Jane. Um, and they're seeing the sights, they're checking out the art galleries um, and his wife is going to go check out some theatre he's not really keen on checking out the theatre but he tends to end up with his own show um, that night and being the star attraction at, in hell well, is that, that's, is that what it's called? I said, welcome to, what's the actual name of the place? The, inside the Cabaret L'Enfer, I believe um, like it's a good little story. I enjoyed reading it, but um, if you comment, if you want me to comment on more than just the story, the um, can't go past the the actual reproduction of the artwork. It just seems a little bit not quite in focused. Yeah, look, you're not going to be able to tell if you are looking at the scan of the one, um, but there was a printing issue or a production issue. Um, if you look at some of the pages, some of the blacks aren't quite black and it, the artwork looks a little bit fuzzy, which is probably a lack of a better definition. Um, so like, for instance, you know, and all the cross hatching wasn't that good. Like if you look at page five, 
Um, I might just stop the share for a second. Well, looking at your um, share, it looks a lot cleaner than what's yeah. looking live in my hand. Yeah. So basically, what what's we've we've talked to Percy about this, and we've given him some screenshots and all that. And basically, when you're doing ink wash and certain ink work and stuff like that, um, so like for instance, this is a good good example here. You you almost have to contrast or focus or change the contrast to make it darker and it hasn't been done on this i believe it has been done on issue 1913 which is good yeah but, the second um, one was fine yeah the second one was fine it was just for the first one but look if you can go past that some of the pages look a little bit fuzzy i think it's i think it's an enjoyable story i really do um uh you know i really i really enjoy percy's artwork um I've, you know, like, you know, like you guys, like me, we grew up on Caesar Spadera's artwork, um, and I've enjoyed his work. If you're looking at this, the use of the, um, what would you call it, the the circle panels, um, these overlapping little square panels down here as well, they're all very, very Caesar Spadera like panel work, and um. Uh, he's no longer with us, and so I've enjoyed reading this. It brought me back to some of my childhoods, seeing some of the layouts and stuff like that. But in saying that, Percy's definitely got his own style. Like, I believe the Phantom's face is a little bit longer, and it's definitely his Phantom rather than just a carbon copy of Percy's. Um, Dan, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I must say I didn't really have the, the issue with the fuzzy art and whether I got a better copy I, I guess you can see the difference in um sharpness in when you're looking at the, the speech balloons um yes. and the narrator boxes compared that to the actual sense. art um i didn't didn't find it too much of an issue at all to be honest um but as you say the the next issue is a little bit crisper um no i really enjoyed the story and, and i really like the way that percy gets your eye moving around the page um, and, and I'm probably talking across both books now, but when I, when I talk about his art, um, I've really been making more of an effort um, over recent times to, to read the story through the art first, like page at a time or, or double spread at a time, and then go back and read the narrator box before you turn the page and read the, read the, the, the dialogue and all the rest of it um, before you turn the page. And um, I found that Percy uh, really draws your eye around in quite a natural fashion, um, not necessarily yeah. a predictable fashion, though. So, um, yeah. no, I really like his art. And I, yeah, I agree with what you say about his um, his depiction of the Phantom. But it's a, it's a strong Phantom without necessarily, you know, some of the when he's when he's Kip Walker, he just looks like a big strong man. Um, when he is the Phantom, he probably is a little bit more um, ripped than than uh, certainly Wilson McCoy's, for instance. Um, but uh, yeah, he's still a uh, it's still a very um, very pleasant, very enjoyable artwork, art style for sure. I love all the cross hatching, um, which works well if you're producing this for black and white, which obviously Percy mm. is. But I would be interested because I reckon Team Phantom Men will pick this story up. So I'll be interested to see how it looks in colour. Mm. That will probably be the first time we see this story in colour. Mm. Yeah, I was I was just about to say before you before you said it, then Jermaine, um, I forgot that it wasn't a Team Phantom story. It mm. really has that that sort of um, uh, what's feel. the word I'm looking for? Feel to it, for lack of a better word. Um, so I'd really expect um, 
Phantom and to to publish this and part two and probably the other and the rest yeah. of it as they're coming along. Mm. Um, something, and, and I'll be talking. I'm talking across issues myself as well. Um, the the constant flipping between French and English started annoying me after a while. Oh, did it? Okay. If I'm being honest, it, it really was. At the start, I didn't mind that much. And I know it's only a, a phrase here or there, and, and you can figure out what, what they're saying, some sort of exclamation. But I was, I was kind of getting over it a bit. Does um, it feel gimmicky for, to you? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know if gimmicky was the right word I was thinking, but it never happens if he's in a, if the Phantom can understand it, then we should be able to understand it. And he's over there in Paris talking with people the whole time. So I'm just, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's like having a babble fish yeah. in your ear. So you can always understand, or, you know, if you're a Doctor Who fan, the TARDIS has got the translator. Um, or subtitles for a... <laughs> <laughs> but the fandom is able to converse with these people. Then all of a sudden there's a, there's a phrase that, and a common phrase that, that's not translated. So it makes me think, it, it just, it, after a while it got jarring. I didn't mind it at the start, but so, it just kept happening and got jarring. See, so, I, I, I would um, argue the exact opposite. Stephen, I really enjoyed it and um, thought that it helped the, the story and the dialogue feel a bit more authentic um, and probably helped me feel a little, little bit smarter because I was like, oh, I understand what they're saying there and I can work out um, what the French is. And the, the, <laughs> but I'm, I'm also listening to a podcast that's all about the, the history of the English language and, and stealing um, words and phrases from other languages. So um, I'm on a bit of a bent on that on the moment anyway. So, but so no, but no, genuinely, I thought it was quite good. Yeah. I, I get I it. Think, I think we've nailed it. In France. I think we've but nailed it. After a while, I had enough. Yeah. Dan's saying, Stephen, that you're not as smart as him. <laughs> I just got no, sick I'm, of reading French. I'm saying that, it, <laughs> I'm saying that the thing that uh, Stephen was like, oh, okay, I'm over this. That's the bit where I'm like, oh, I can feel smart because I can work it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> yeah, I can work it out. I'm over it now. <laughs> so, listeners, if there's any listeners out there that enjoyed it or whether you're with Stephen that uh, it got to you at the end of it as well, let us know on social media. We're all over social media. So, um, Make sure you let us know on your YouTube comments and stuff like that as well. Um, it'll be interesting to hear what other people have to say. Um, anything I'm, else? I'm, I'm wanna... straws just to find things to critique. <laughs> I'm always too positive, so I have to try and find things to critique. And that's the one. And that's the one. All right. Well, okay. I, and, and I say this um, with tongue fairly in cheek because I genuinely, I, I'm on the record in the past of saying that some of Peter Anderson's um, stories have been a bit wordy and all the rest, but I really enjoyed both of these stories. Um, and, and really enjoyed the, the, narrat the narrative you put together. So I, I, I say that first so that I can then say, how many times do you reckon the word milk was in the story? <laughs> the That's family? his thing. He, in just about every one of his stories, he's made a thing about yeah. milk. I actually did a count, and in the, the Phantom Goes to Hell, the word milk is, well, there's two separate scenes that reference it. The first scene, they do, he doesn't actually get milk out of his mouth before his wife's like, no, 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 stop talking about milk. <laughs> um, then he orders it in French, which you probably didn't enjoy, Steve. And then, he the, and then the word milk is in the dialogue nine further times, just in, in, in like two or three pages at the end there um, in that fight sequence. So um, Pide really enjoys his milk jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he he does. Um, yeah. Well, when we get him on the podcast, we'll have to ask him about that. 
Absolutely. And, and look, as I say, I've got no qualms with it. Uh, it might have been a touch overdone, but um, in this in this instance, but no, I really I really enjoyed his writing style across both, and um, I like the fact that um, and and I know we I think necessarily we have to talk about both of these stories in the same breath in a, in a way, um, but I like the fact that what uh, Pede's done there is basically um, created a uh, a setting for a bunch of phantom stories. That being what Steve said earlier, the um, the Phantom on his honeymoon two years after they've been married. So finally they get to go on this holiday. They're going to Paris, um, the city of love and all the rest of it. And then there's a sequence of stories, um, almost little one-shot stories. They're not independent on each other once you understand the the setting where the Phantom is. And um, I'm I'm enjoying the, the little series. Yeah, I, I guess having them printed together also means you're not spending a page or even a panel reintroducing the setting and and you know the fact that they're on their wedding and stuff like that. So it's kind of like you you seeing you've read the last one, you already know that where they are, who's involved, and you can just get straight into it. Um, yeah. So that's but that's what I, I kind of like that, about it. Because um, and we'll probably discuss it, but we know now that um, nineteen, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen are going to be stories that are not in this world, um, because that's a, a new um, trilogy that's coming out not a new one, a repaint of an old trilogy that we love. But um, the second story, I think it literally is one panel on page seven, Jim, if you can, if you can bring that up, um, where there's a, a narrative box. Uh, there it is. The, just slow back up a little bit. Um, halfway through the page on your right, there's that, that large narrative box. That gives all of the background and the context to the story and, and everything else, you know. Um, I think Pete has said to us in one of the conversations that these are standalone stories, and and it's very very true. So, yeah, know, standalone stories that just happen to be in the same place, same time, and like yeah, you correct. said, create this little world where these standalone stories can happen. It's good. Mm. But if you were, if you, if this was say an isolated comic, waiting for the eighth page to be able to get this one panel it would have been a little bit more um, disjointed. But the fact that we've uh, read the last issue, which was which was related to this, as well as that, it does it, it means that there's not as much time spent recapping. So I, I personally I, I personally wish they they did all six issues one after the other rather than putting a three part story in between in between it. And then you would be have because a, of um Issues getting the the artwork or getting the um the stories completed. Well, the completed. stories have already been completed. Like if you're having um, a look at, um, if you have a look on the first page and on the last page of them, you can see here a little signature on the bottom of page three. Oh, the cat's tail. There's nineteen. So, look, they've already been done. Um, I just I prefer, and yeah, it's not it's not done up as a part one, part two, part three, part four, et cetera, et cetera. And Pity has said, you know, they are standalone stories. I just would rather they were all published together rather than having a... I understand, obviously, they've got to probably put a replica issue in the in between it somewhere. But to have, you know, this is going to be six stories separated by, at the very bare minimum, nine issues, which is three months maybe even four months, four and a half months or something. I just think that's that's pushing it out too far. Mm. Well, well, I agree with you, but I agree with you there. 
I disagree with you on that page five or six. I reckon having that little bit of a prologue there with the um, with the cat burglars doing their thing before you introduce to what's happening with the Phantom, I thought that was fine. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Steve. I actually thought you probably could pick up um, the on the roofs of Paris story. I think you could pick that up um, without having read the other one and still slip straight into this Phantom story pretty pretty smoothly. I had no problem with that. And, and I'm going to disagree with both of you in the sense that I, I actually like the fact that they're going to spread it out a little bit. I, I equate it, well, you know, Steve's already said that um, after two issues, he was a little bit sick of one of the things that is happening in the stories. If he had that for four more issues in a row, goodness knows how we'd hear about it in the um, April Comics and News podcast. <laughs> um, and, and look, I, even... Fair point. We're all on the record of, of saying that um, Paul Mason's Phantom and Vietnam stories are, are things that we enjoy, but would we want them for six consecutive issues? Maybe not. I, I, I like the idea of, like, here's, let's establish a, a context or a, a setting for a particular series of Phantom stories, but don't have them all at once, like sprinkle them around. Um, I, I actually don't mind it at all. I think it's, it, it's pretty clever. You need, you right. need to stop, Dan. You're making too many good points. <laughs> so, listeners, I changed my argument. Listeners, <laughs> if uh, if you're either on um, either side of the fence, or if you're on Steven, where you kind of waver between both sides of the fence, let us know. Let us know on convinced. social media, and also <laughs> let us know on uh, YouTube comments as well. It'll be it'll be great to hear what uh, the audience and the listeners have to say. Now. Another thing that I really did like about this second part of the story uh, on the roofs of Paris was how the Phantom got framed and then how it was up to, um, what's her name? I can't remember his wife's name. Jane. 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 Um, And how it was up to Jane to basically clear the Phantom's um, name. I thought that was really clever. I really enjoyed it and it was really enjoyable. It was almost uh, comedic as... like you know how it was played out mm. you, you mentioned before about him being wordy that just sees what you're scrolling on there that it is very text heavy yeah but pity's mm. pity's it's very text heavy yeah I, all the stories are i didn't notice it as much this time and, and perhaps it's because there were some other long sequences where there's no words at all so which balances about- it yeah, you talked about the prologue there before, Steve, of seeing the cat burglars. You know, that's, what was it, three pages? Four, without, with barely a, a word. Yeah. Well, if you look at this page spread here, 14 and 15, 14's got a fair bit of words. Yeah. But then 15 has, what, one speech bubble. That's the action teller story. And yeah. a lot of effects, you know, yeah. a lot of roars and bams and powers telling the story which um so you know there's a nice balance there i mm. also think that um uh i wonder if the artwork also has a lot to do with it as well where uh percy's artworks how would you put it it's very busy because there's a lot of the panel work like here you've got the um the 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 border of the box is the is the lightning bolt um there's a lot of black very exciting yeah, it's very exciting and stuff like that. So, I think it. I think it might. You know, I wonder. I'm not an expert in the art of um, comic bill, comic book creation, but I wonder if. I'm not sure if business is the right word, but if the business also hides some of the ex, uh, extra wording that we probably see associated with um, Peter's work as well. 
Well, look, whatever whatever combination is or whatever the theory is behind it, I, I genuinely did not come away from this thinking, gee, that's a, a dialogue-heavy yeah. comic. I, I would agree with you on that I, one. I, I didn't. It's just that when we were talking about it before and just had the, the vision up there for, crikey, there is a lot of text up Yeah, there. yeah. It's if you're looking for it and if you're being critical, which, let's be honest, we are because, you know, uh, we do this for fun and, and, you know, on the podcast, yeah, we're paid. Well, not paid. We're expected <laughs> to be critical. Who's getting paid here? Hey. <laughs> um, so also another thing, when I talked about um, Percy, how his Phantom's face was a little bit longer. Yeah. That's a good example there. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, look, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, I, the other thing that, that I thought was quite good and interesting, and we probably haven't seen too much in other Phantom stories, is this one here. You know, the Phantom's up all night, <laughs> rescuing the day and all that, and then he's sleeping and getting in trouble for, you know, yeah, now, it's good to see that the Phantom is a human being. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my kids are younger than yours. But when the kids have been up all night, I don't want to talk to the missus. I just want to put my head back down and pretend I can try and get another five, ten minutes. And it looks yeah. like uh, even on his honeymoon, the Phantom is um, still doing that. 100%. Hey, just while you're on that page, um, can you imagine if that sequence had been drawn by Felmang? <laughs> <laughs> Might have looked a bit different, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon it probably would have originally been done differently, and then it would have been. Um, bit, yeah, I was just thinking the bit of first draft that would have been rejected, and uh, yeah. uh, KFS wouldn't have let it go past. I don't know. No, think. probably not. Um, you speak- oh, sorry. Did you? No, no, you go. I was just going. I was probably going to switch tack a little bit and just talk about the fact that we've got um, for these two books two new cover artists. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go back to the inside art, and then we'll talk about. Sure. The cover artist. Now, I also like the epilogue. Um, did I say that? That right? was weird. I thought. Yeah, I don't know. It was, but it it feels like it was like, hey, I like these characters. Let me throw in an epilogue and let's see if I can get another story out of it. Well, and that's that was cool because the Phantom caught the cat burglar, or so he thought. But he only caught the the male of them. Yeah. exactly. So yeah, no, that was. Um, it was good to see that the Phantom doesn't actually know everything that's going on. He thinks he solved the case, done and dusted, go to sleep and have a, have a, have a morning kick. <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually a whole second half of this that he's not got yeah. any. Now, would that be a kip with a P or a kit with a T? <laughs> <laughs> a morning kip, <laughs> K-I-P. <laughs> um, these sort of look like they remind me of the Thompson twins with them dressed up in their disguises out of Tintin. Yep. They, they're not exactly like that, but they just kind of look, they kind of remind me of that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, anything else regarding the story or writing? And then we'll talk about the cover artist and then we'll go to the Gaslight story. Mm. Oh, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So, Dan, you made mention of the cover artist. So the first one which we talked about is Chirid who has a trading card um, in the set. I think it's number 74 from the top of my um, head. Um, so this is her Sweden? cover here. Uh, Sweden. Swedish. Now, from what I've seen, I've seen Turud post this image, and the cover image was a lot more vibrant than what we get on here. This is the trading card, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. that's the trading card. 
Yeah, so this is on Jared's um, home page, and I'll just. So you reckon it should have been a little bit more bright, a little bit more brighter? Oh, look, it, it's just very red. Obviously, it looks like it's had a. It's uh, I, and I don't. I'm not an Instagram or a, a whatever person, but it looks like it's got a red filter or a blood filter that's gone across the top of it. That's probably just a bit too heavy. Um, yeah. Whether they, that was intentional um, in the design or that's a printer's. In over enthusiasm or, or whatever it might be, but um, yeah, but but by the same token, it's dramatic and stands out as a result of that. Whether or not you like the effect is is another thing, I suppose. I wonder, and this is just a guess, just a theory, so no one try and quote me on it or anything like that. But I wonder if it was a directive of King Features that maybe it was a little bit too full on, and so the just red dulls. Yeah, kind of dulls the effect of the demons and of Lucifer and stuff like that. Oh, oh. happy I'd to be proven wrong. T, if you're listening, please prove me wrong. I'd be disappointed if that was the case. I mean, surely that's not over the top. Yeah. All right. So, thoughts of the second cover, which is from Lily McDonald, who is an Australian. Uh, she does go to uh a few supernovas and comic cons and stuff like that so if you ever do go out there make sure you can uh you can probably get a signature on this issue as well mm. now all if you look on her social media pages which i'll try and remember and put up in our show notes uh steven and dan that's your job to make sure you remind me for that one mm. um all of her images that she does draw has this type of effect with the borders and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that is definitely her style. Uh, your guys' thoughts of the cover? Oh, okay, you go, Steve. I, I really like um, her cover. Um, have we seen any of her work before? Like, she doesn't have a no. uh, collector card or anything? No, not, not from a phantom perspective. Uh, didn't think so. Um, I, this cover really stood out. I really liked the, the borders, and I like the way that they've done the, 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 the phantom, like, not even looking at the art at the moment, but the phantom logo... You know, it's got the gold outline, which is usually yeah. Um, black. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, usually black, but it's usually when they put the gold on, it's usually for a special um, occasion. Mm. Um, oh, I, I like this point. nursing figure. I, I really, if I was going to say which cover I prefer out of the, out of the two, I'd be saying this one. Yeah. Lilies. I just, yeah, I just think the whatever filter or whatever they put on that kind of dulled it a little bit. Yeah, I think. But not only that, I, I prefer Lily's Phantom. Yeah. The other one needs to bulk up a Look, little I'm, bit. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a massive fan of... I'm not um, a fan of her phantom. ...of 1913. The, the actual, the, the, the Phantom physique itself is probably my concern. I actually like the, um, the, the framing and all the rest of it. Uh, the composition's good. It's just... Um, it, it looks a little bit like Sean Joyce's Phantom, which I didn't enjoy much either um, in the um, JFK series from Hermes Press. Um, but also, I'm uh, not sure what this dude here has to do with the story as well. The one with the that looks a bit like Jack the Ripper. Hmm. Yeah, that. Well, that probably. Yeah, it didn't even occur to me. Um, but then, then there's not a, a Lucifer um, really in the first. Comic well, no, that's the play that they go to, isn't it? Yeah, the cabaret. Yeah, the cabaret. Look, yeah, I'm obviously not um sophisticated enough to know the difference between a play and a cabaret. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> um, all right. 
the um and and whether I enjoy them or not, they're they're um they're fine covers. Um, and I, I expect both of them will probably feature well in our um, poll at the end of the year because it will absolutely appeal to, to different tastes. Um, is this, and, and surely this is the case, that this is the first time we've ever had consecutive through covers by female artists? I would assume so because through, have they ever had a female artist? Yeah. There's been a few across the years. Lindsay Walker had one. one that came to mind. Okay. Don't have any other. Yeah. So, maybe, so maybe this is now for a total of three and they happen to be consecutive, so therefore it is consecutive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I don't think of any others. Scourge of the Air Pirates Part 2 and Part 3. Um, Stephen. No, not Stephen. Sorry, I've already gone. You, Dan. Oh, look, I, um, yeah, I, I enjoy these for what they're worth. Like, um, and, and I hope that doesn't come out the wrong way because I don't know how I feel the, or the continuity of the fandom. I'm not sure how I see it fitting. Um, in, in that sense, it's almost a little bit um, Phantom 2040 for me, if you like, or, or, or a what-if type. I don't know. Like the Gaslight genre as a whole and the steampunk elements of it and all the rest of it. But that said, the actual story itself I really enjoy. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of um, – and, and in short bursts like this um, – yeah, I, I like it um, for what it is. And, and I just sort of put my other expectations around what I understand to be the fandom to one side. Yeah, I hope that's not coming out too negative because I certainly don't mean it to be. Um, but it's just, you can't, I, I can't, I, for me, I don't think you can go from Lee Fork, Wilson McCoy stories, boom, straight into Fandom by Gaslight and have the same experience. <laughs> um, no, I they're, guess they're, they're two different experiences. Um, but I, I think they're still Phantom, like it's still. Obvious fans, I still think they yeah. follow. They still follow the law. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like it's not like say, for instance, if you go to like Charlton stories, which very loosely was based on the law that we that we know. Like yeah, you, know, you had the twentieth phantom buried in a crypt outside the Skull Cave, or you know, so like there was a lot of law that was kind of neglected. Um, yeah. So obviously, Jason still knows who the Phantom is. 100%. Uh, you know, Glenn's part of the editorial, and he would put um, restrictions on him and edits and stuff like that. From um, for me, I like the three-part story because it's very quickly. Like you don't have to wait. You know, if it was an eight or ten-part issue, which we've seen in the past, it's not going to be published in every single issue. So you're normal. So you're waiting three, four, five, six months to see it. Where this was over and done in what three or four issues, and yeah. it, it felt like a lot more enjoyable in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And in regards to your comment about the canon, I I don't put it in the canon. I because steampunk yeah. is like an alternative universe. Like yeah. it's running parallel. Yeah. Does yeah. all things that are that are phantom like or, or phantom, you know, does the oath and, and, and is the phantom. Yeah. It just happens to be in this steampunk universe. So I wouldn't I wouldn't wouldn't be putting it in canon. But it's I, I agree. I, I agree. Think, yeah. You've you've yeah, explained it well, Stephen. Phantom in an alternate universe. That's good. Yeah. But in saying that, it could fit in the canon in a sense that it doesn't contradict the canon. And I think that will be a problem. We haven't you know, had airships and things like that in. Yeah, but that's yeah. not that's not against the fans. No, it doesn't contradict anything, but it's got 
this fantastical um, steampunk fantasy element to it. Yeah, yeah. and see, I don't mind that as a, whether you call it a what if or, or whatever, but for me, it can't go away from what the Phantom is. Yeah. And yep. so, you know, and, and I think we're all in agreement here is, you, you know, it's, it's fun. You may enjoy the theme, you may not, but at least you can read it and kind of go, yeah, this is still my Phantom. Yeah. And there's been plenty of stuff that's been published by other publishers and you're reading it and you're just going, this isn't my Phantom. Mm. Who, no, who, yeah, who is this imposter? You know, as you're reading, you're just thinking, man, I'm turning over in my grave and I'm not dead yet. Imagine what, you know, what the, all these other past people that have come before us. Mm. Um, but we, you don't get that sense of feeling with this. No, and, and look, I really do enjoy Jason Paulus's art. Um, he's, it's just exciting. It's vibrant. It's moving all the time. It's dynamic, um, you know, and, uh, and his depiction of that steampunk era, I, I get the feeling, yeah. uh, well, I can do him. We know he really has fun with it. Um, and, um, and you can get the sense, you know, it's, it's really good to see. I, I really enjoy any time that um, a single creator, you know, writes and draws the story. Um, you know, you know as as exactly they what well. they wanted to communicate. So yeah. it, it doesn't always work out as good as that. No, it doesn't always work out. But as I always enjoy seeing people have a crack at it, and Jason Paulus does it better than most. Yes. <laughs> All right. So moving on to Giant Size number 20. Now, this kind of came out and kind of caught, I think, everyone on a by surprise, even um, Glenn Lumsden, when I was talking to him, he was like, what? Is that out already? Um, now, thoughts on the cover? Do you I love reckon the just hold it still because I can't. Can you just hold it up just a little bit higher? Who's underneath you? Yeah. I thought there was another. Oh, yeah, there it is. Phantom Ranger is about to cop that square in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's he's coming down the side and he's about to drive him straight down long off. And if Phantom Ranger's not um, paying attention, he's going to cop it straight in the nose. And I love Sir Falcon. He's just kind of like bagging him and um, yes, you know, heckling him, <laughs> sledging him. It's, it's, look, I better watch that. He's sitting in leg, in leg sleep <laughs> on, <laughs> on the leg side. He's going to cop it. Um, what I thought was, was really good about this is that the story inside is called The Test. Now, you <laughs> have to explain that for our Scandinavian, yeah. American and Brazilian <laughs> listeners. The Indians, Anyone who, the Indians will get it. <laughs> yeah. For those who haven't been colonised by the English. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a, that is the best way of putting it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, I guess technically the Yanks were colonised, but they kind of modified the game and just made it based. Ben and I are wearing our whites too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look. The test is uh, cricket, which is what they're playing on here. The test, which Australia are playing at the moment in Pakistan, uh, is where two sides bat uh, twice and field twice, and then you kind of – and it's called – the game is called the test because it's a test of nutrition and test yeah. of, you know, everything and all that. And so, of course – now, I don't know if Fru planned this because I know Glenn is a rugby fan. I'm not sure if he's a cricket fan, and I don't really know where um, where Dudley's uh, sporting allegiances lay. But let's give him kudos for producing the story, the test with a cricket match, uh, cricket front cover. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, look, it, 
It's very clever. And you'd like to think that Dudley's getting a giggle um, as he sends it off to the printers, um, knowing that there's that giant-sized Easter egg that we're all going to enjoy and uh, and talk and it's worth pointing out that the, the test, the story, has got nothing to do with cricket. So, no matter where you... <laughs> so if you don't know anything about cricket, you're not going to. It's not going <laughs> to spoil your enjoyment of the story. It has nothing to do with it. There'll be lots of people who would say that it spoils that this is not their favourite phantom story because it involves aliens. And um, there's lots of people who uh, firmly do not enjoy those sorts of stories. But um, now it's worth pointing out that this version you're showing us here, Jeremy, is not the one in Giant Size because this is colour. Um, yes. Giant Size is black and white. So this is from uh, the gold key number two. Uh, I've got a scan of that. I don't have a scan of it in black and white. So yes. So if you're on YouTube, you're probably thinking, oh, sweet, Giant Size has got a colour. Sorry to disappoint you. Um, it is in black and white. Look, the story, let's be honest, the story sucks. Um, the, art, the artwork's great, but the Phantom and the Aliens just doesn't do it for me to be and to be honest these aliens with their hardcover the the goggle eyes and the the nose which looks like a respirator it looks like yes. it looks it like a respirator uh, how do you expect them to breathe they're in an alien land <laughs> yeah it but they're it looks like something human. out of a, a war <laughs> you know out of a post uh, apocalyptic world or, or something like that um look, was this was this written before or after leaf Hawks blue giants because it's got a remarkably similar premise so it's actually based off a leaf Hawks story so it is, yeah yeah so leaf Hawk did a story called the i think it's the horn star demons. demons yes you're right and yep. so this is bill uh bill lignanti did uh variations of various wilson mccoy classics and well stories shouldn't use the word classics uh and this is one of them so look with yeah um i didn't i didn't like the story but i really i really enjoy the artwork um no no eyes shown there but um yeah really enjoys <laughs> artwork and um i like bill's artwork i think he gets a bit of a bad rap um but yeah yeah, no, I'm with you. It was good to see a lot of Bill Leganti's Phantom um, because you're right, he is someone who, because he shows the bulge of the ears under the cow and because he showed the eyes in the Queen Samara story, um, yeah, um, gets a bad rap, for, for to use your words. And, and it's, not, it's not fair. Um, I think there's lots of artists who have used the ears below the cow, um, you know, idea in the sense, and it works. It's, uh, it's realistic. So, um, yeah. Uh, no, it was good to see a lot of his artwork. I'm with you, though. The story's not gonna, certainly going to be um, shared at home as a classic of any kind. Yeah, and unfortunately, a fair few test matches are very similar like that. They're not worth uh, rereading or rewatching. Um, anything else I uh, use want to make mention of this story or of Giant Size? It'd be nice if it was in my local comic shop so I could have it. <laughs> I, I'm just going to give. A shout. <laughs> I'm going to give a, just a quick shout out. It's worth noting that they've they've used the replica cover for seven ten. The test was only um, a half of um, the the actual publication of through seven ten. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head now what the other story was. It was also a Bill Aganti story. Um, the the two books that were originally in seven ten. So they've basically given us the filler page, uh, the filler story. Um, along with the, the Catman, Phantom Ranger, Sir Falcon and the Shadow, as we've come to expect in Giant Size. I do want to give a bit of a shout-out to Fru, and I hope that they find them, because I've seen 
I do like the fact that they've got this wanted, where are we, the wanted ad um, in every giant size. Here's the other stories we'd love to reproduce for, for you, the reader. Um, if you're a collector and you've got copies of this, can you please send them in to us so that we can put them into this? Or, you know, I'm sure that they come to some sort of arrangement where they, they get copies of it. So Planet Man number five, we've all enjoyed and, and even seen Massimo Gambari come up with a new um, Phantom, uh, Planet Man. Um, but other ones like Jetman and Green Skeleton, um, the, the Fru crew are still looking for issues one, two, three, and four of those two titles. I've never even heard of those. I would actually be, really enjoy seeing what is the Green Skeleton, and I'd love to see issue one turn up in a giant size just for curiosity's sake. So yeah. hopefully, um, hopefully they do turn up at some point. And, and that's the thing about giant size is that I've learned so much about Australian comic book history because of giant size. Um, I've actually that wanted little wanted ad or wanted poster uh, has actually made its way onto some Australian comic book history Facebook pages. Yeah, right. And, they've, and it's actually like other people who aren't Phantom fans have actually gone, oh, cool, they're doing all that type of stuff. And then they talk about, oh, yeah, I picked that up just recently because of this. And, and so through are getting extra sales because of the fact that they're. I guess cross-platforming their sales with yeah. uh, non-phantom readers purely because uh, of people who are comic book Australian comic book historians. Mm. So, yeah. All right. So that is all of our stories. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to Mikel. Mikel has two Phantom Man comics for us, and then he's also got a, a issue of. Um, I did. I thought I wrote how to pronounce this. I don't have that how to pronounce it. It's it's look. It looks like ninety one colon an, but it's called Ninti An or something like that. Um, issue five of two thousand and two, which is a Clayce Ramifi uh, special. So uh, Mikel will be reviewing that. Also Phantom Man uh, issue five twenty twenty two, and then also Phantom Man issue six and seven of twenty twenty two. As well, uh, which includes a new story by new writer Bernard Frentz. Uh, if you want to learn more about him, go to our website as well. So, Mikel, over to you, buddy, and thank you. Once again, Phantom Review with me, Mikel. This time it's issue number five of 2022. It has this great cover by Luke Arbata, very colorful and nice. I like it. Let's jump into it. Uh, first we have the editorial page. Uh, Andreas is talking a bit about uh, that Yuan Boix, I never know how to pronounce that, has been an artist for many years, but this is the first time he has also written the story, so that will be interesting. Then there's a shout out for Phantom Wiki and a new segment there where you can see the current releases. And there's some examples here from India and Finland and Brazil and Norway and Hungary and Australia, US and Spain. But the main story, Onskans Totem, written in the art by Johan. Uh, if you translate it, it would be the Totem of Evil. I have some mixed thoughts about this one. It is about this totem showing up right outside of the Skull Cave and the Bandar village and also there's a second part of the story with the phantom going away and meeting up with Sandal doing a lot of stuff and 
there comes these people out of the totem, these soldiers, and I, I mean, there's a lot of good action. I, I like the action, but it also makes little sense that why, why did the soldiers carry this totem right outside of the Bandar village just to jump out of it? They could just as easy just attack them, but if, if you disregard that, it's a good story. And uh, the second story we have is a classic Falkberry story, The Terrorists. And it's a typical Berry story, beautiful art, some fun parts, a bit of overuse of the twins uh, all the time. But yeah, good. What do we have more? Yeah, we have information about how to vote for the best cover of 2021 Phantom. And I've written a short article about that on Chronicle Chamber. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. And you need to vote at the latest 9th of March. So do that. And next time we'll see you, we're gonna have another new storyteller. Burnt Friends, and he has done a story with art of from Heinar Bade, Smoke Over Bengali. Looking forward to that. Uh, old newspaper story, The Wharf Rats. So this is one of the ones that was created shortly after Falk's death. They reused an old story and did new art for it. And a new side comics, but that doesn't really have anything with Phantomen. Oh, and look, there's some good offer here if you want to start to subscribe. Now it is issue 6-7 of 2022. It has a art, a cover art by Luca Arbata. The third of this year that he has done. It has lots of movement in it and uh, the buggy almost looks uh, photorealistic. But... Uh, something in the cover makes me not like it as much as his regular ones but last time I felt so many others thought the exact opposite and it went very well in the best cover uh, vote so it's more likely that this is an art style that is not my favorite one but uh, not a lot of other people love it this features a new Tim Fantome story Smoke Over Bengali. It is written by a new Phantom creator, Band Friends, and art is done by the Team Phantom and veteran Heinar Bade. Uh, I think Bade does great landscape and background illustrations, but I'm not super fond of the way he draws humans. Uh, well, this story, it's about this, uh, yeah, it's based on something that happens in real life, at least that's what Andrea says. That logging corporation cut down trees that are uh, legal to cut down and then they turn them into coal, since that is not checked the same way as planks is. Uh, the story holds up in my opinion, but uh, I don't think it's going to win story of the year. Then there is a side comic, The Red Pirate. Uh, that covers more than half of the pages of this comic book and then the comic book 
ends up with another phantom story. Let's see here. Here, yes. The Wharf Rats, but it's not the Falkenberry one from 1962. This is a remake done in 1999 by George Olsen and Fred Fredericks, based on that uh, 62 story. So Falk is credited with the story, but they basically remade the old one. The art is uneven. Some panels looks uh, just as Barry's one. Uh, that to say it's really really great. Like this one, it almost looked like they have uh, traced it. And other some other panels are not looking as well in my opinion. Then we have a preview of the next issue. It's a continuation of the 22 Phantom Saga. I'm looking forward to that as always. And a side comic called Torgal that is a favorite with the, with many Swedish fans. What time is it? Is it time for another Phantom review with me, Mikael? No, we're gonna talk about other Swedish comics. So last year, sadly, Klaus Remerti passed away and uh, Fantomen got this uh, in memorial issue. Uh, we also got in Sweden uh, some other memorial issues because Klaus Remerti was a great Phantom writer but he also wrote uh, comics to other things. So we got this Agent X9, Modesty Blaze and I can tell you that I'm not a uh, Agent X9 avid reader. I think I flicked through a few of them, but uh, yeah, they're usually in black and white. So, but I wanted to get this because like you get this forward about Klaus Hermerti written by Andreas. The, he's editor both of Phantomen and Agent X9. And uh, there was some stories uh, written by him. Let's go it we got here's another in memorial text uh, so Carrie Drake written by Michael Thierrys who we know is or was Klaus Ramerti and art by Hans Lindahl also phantom creator and here they, there's an image of them and this was uh, yeah it was quite okay uh, story uh, and then we have Rip Kirby but that's not by Klaus Remerti. So, and then there was this Lady S. I don't think I read this because it was like part 10 or something. So it was not that much of Klaus Remerti, but uh, a little bit and a lot of text and uh, yeah, a good thing that I got it. And this week uh, we got this issue of Nittjettan. That's a humoristic uh, comic book, and this one is filled with the brim of things by Klaus Remerti. So it's the first uh, script he wrote and it is the last script he wrote and one of the favorite with also Hans Lindahl but uh, this is uh, another character, Lille Fridolf and then some text about Klaus Remerti and some more text and some stories that have never been published uh, project he has done and more text about him and then uh, some other odd stories uh, and then another Nittjettan story that 
he himself liked. And here's uh, an image of Phantomen, the Phantom, and other things he has written. And I really enjoyed this uh, comic book. It was really fun and uh, great stories all along. This is uh, Hans Lindahl's take on Lille Fridolf. Really, really good compared to other Lille Fridolf I've read. And some nudity almost. But I like, and this is also fun, but I really liked. Uh, what was it here? Like this. Some phantom spoof things uh, written by another phantom creator, Pida Andersson, and art by Joachim Gunnarsson. Uh, so that was nice touch to say goodbye, basically. And this is a nice image of him. And yeah, funny stories. Uh, so, if you're a Klaus Matthew fan, these three issues is a must. Otherwise, it's maybe just nice to know how much he meant to the Swedish comic book world. Thank you for me and happy phantoming. Thank you, Mikkel. Uh, that was great. I really appreciate your reviews. Uh, for those who may be wondering, there hasn't been any Regal or Shaki comics released since our last uh, Comics and News podcast, which will mean hopefully that this podcast will be, won't be as long because we're not playing as much catch up. Now let's move on over to the daily and Sunday progress. Now, the Sunday story. We're going to start off with this. Now, this is going to be our official apology. So, Tony, for those who have come in late, uh, the last Comics and News podcast, we, and I say we in the sense that Stephen and Dan, who are supposed to be uh, more proficient in English than what I am, stuffed up the, the way to pronounce well, At least we tried. Yeah, we tried. So, <laughs> this is and, and Tony was so disgusted with the way that we butchered this name that he sent a long email it protesting. Was two, two <laughs> it was two cents. With a link. <laughs> and he gave us a link which had a YouTube version of how to say the word. So, Stephen and Dan, this is your chance to save face and to prove that you're good students as well as good teachers and to be able to pronounce it properly for all of our listeners out there. And you're going to play the YouTube clip immediately after we do this to prove uh, how we went, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, I reckon, I reckon last time I was going ingenues, um, but I'm now going to try ingenues. I got nothing. You're stuffing me up now. Ingenue. <laughs> no jokes for those. Ingenue. Ingenue. There's no S on the end. Oh, there is an S on his, but there wasn't an on the word. Ingenue. We practiced this for a good five minutes before we press record. Yeah, well. and that was wise. I should have. Ingenue. Ingenue. That sounds right. Ingenue. 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 All right. So for those, what's it mean again? 
Um, like a, it's a, an innocent or naive That's right. woman. So for those who uh, have come in late, this is ep- uh, issue or Sunday story number 192. Pronounced the way that the guys are. I'm not having a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it is a bunch of Maori girls who are proving that they have got what it takes. And so they have come to Morristown and are seeing the sights. And we are going to be taking it off, uh, taking up the story from where we left uh, from the last podcast. And basically, it's a running commentary as we go. So we've got the creep. Um, who has been stalking them and wants to sell them uh, into slavery. And then the Phantom is rough on roughnecks. Uh, guys, take it over with your thoughts. You go, Steve. Um, are we going week by week? As you oh, just, just talk and, you know, if there's anything you want me to raise or, or anything I, like I that. I do like how, um, as the story's progressed, the, the Maori girls have got a name around town. People know who these people yeah. are. Um, and they're letting him, letting him go and do what they want, really. But they're still sleeping out in the park and no one seems to be bothering them. But, you know, they're getting a bit of ice cream and everyone's being nice. And, and we can see the Phantom is just, just keeping an eye on them, let, letting, them, letting them, you know, do their thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed in the hospitality of, of, of Moritan or Maritan um, that no one's offered them a place to stay. They're, they're still sleeping out in the park. Yeah, I was going to also raise the fact that they seem to be, you know, everybody knows about them now. The bar, t- oh, that's the Mori girls. They've they've come to the club, that sort of stuff. So, um, oh, yeah, it's an interesting one because they are, as you say, getting a name around town. Um, I've probably parked to one side a little bit about their their camping and their accommodation situation. Um, I didn't I, think of it too until I just saw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the page you've got up there, German. I'm not sure what the date of that particular um, Sunday is. February. 20th of Feb. I really like this this page because it's got the Phantom um, walking the streets of an ordinary man as, as an ordinary man in three or four different get-ups. And we we've often talked about the bomber jacket versus the trench coat and all of this sort of stuff. But here we actually have the Phantom as a construction worker. He's in a suit. He's um, a, a tourist looking for birds in the park or whatever. As a um, he's just he's in the background of every panel, but is dressed differently and is uh, is as Steve said, sort of accompanying, spying on, uh, watching over the the Mori girls as they go about their business in the city. But um, I thought that that really spoke to me as a, this is how the Phantom would actually blend into the the city environment by by looking slightly different all the time. So how did he get by the looking parcel? Ordinary. How did he get the parcel? Ordinary, yeah. that's, that's the question I have is, did he like, like pay someone and said, <laughs> give me your costume, I'm going to like... Um, deliver this thing for you or it's just a like, box it just, just it, like, it out of a bin. Is, is this the reason why australia gone through a recycling it? bin and put a box back together so he could carry it around as part <laughs> or is this the reason why australia post sucks so much because they're just letting every <laughs> ordinary man deliver their postage their their postal uh envelopes and parcels and while we have to wait months on months for our stuff to arrive because it gets lost because every tom dick and harry can just uh rock up and and, and, and get stuff delivered. Do parcels around. <laughs> um, it must be said that, um, uh, yeah. what was it, this one here, uh, we've got Pete and uh, Jamie Diaz, who are um, long-term and everyone knows who they are, of fan fans from the US. 
Um, so, you know, uh, it was nice to see, oh, excuse me, um, uh, Phantom fans that people recognise in the line. Um, how, many, how many cameos is this now for Pete Klaus in, in just the Sunday or the, the newspaper strips? Oh, it'll probably be about four or five. He was in, um, yeah. what was it, the briefcase, this one, um, one of the Nomad stories. Um, I can't remember. I think there's three that comes to mind. And then, yeah, and then, uh, yeah of There'll course, this one as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And this is the second one for Jamie. Is that right? Jamie yes. was also in the... Um, in the spy uh, ship. Yeah, the, the, the ship one. Um, however, one of the things I think we probably need to talk about uh, is, yes. is this here, which is the um, the badge of the Jungle Patrol. Now, for me, I don't mind the fact that there's a Jungle Patrol badge. What concerns me is the fact that it has Commander underneath it. Yeah. like Because I think it makes sense that every Jungle Patrol, whether they're, whether they're in their Jungle Patrol attire or whether in civvies like the fandom is to be able to say hey look yeah jungle patrol and then people are like oh sweet yep know who you are let you do whatever you want to do and all that but the fact that it says commander underneath i'm just like well it's supposed to be the unknown commander um but that's me nitpicking yeah no i I do agree with you i get with everything you've said maybe if it had just been a uc for unknown commander and that's a little in joke that we would have got but the bouncer is not going to recognize that or even just a blank nameplate Um, yeah, but I, I agree. We, I got a little bit of a, a double take when I read the word commander there. That's, yeah. And what, if, what if he is killed on this mission and suddenly he's got his jungle patrol commander badge on him? That's not cool. He, yeah. yeah. Um, now, on this panel, which is today's at the time of recording, which is the 13th of March, uh, we talk a fair bit about panel uh, identification and 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 stuff like that. And when we were talking about Percy's stories, we're talking about how he did the borders of the battle, of the panel. Sorry, uh, the two guys are on the phones, and the the panels are kind of what would you call it, dissected by the little lightning bolts, which indicate you know noise from the phone and all that. I just thought that was just a a small little detail, which probably goes unnoticed when most people look at it. But I, I, I like it. And it's also well, mirrored or whatever you want to call it or, um, in the second panel there where he's talking on the phone and the yeah. person on the phone has got the jagged lines. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, question. another question. Jeff, did you have to go to the nightclubs to research this, this couple of panels? It would be interesting whether he, um, you know, I, I can always, we joked uh, before during the podcast, you know, I can always picture him you know talking to his wife says oh i just gotta go out i just gotta go out to the clubs and she's like what for why are you going to the clubs you know and he goes oh it's it's for the phantom i'm gonna research the clubs for the phantom i wonder if that just would have um you know she would have said no jeff no jeff (laughs) (laughs) but um but look i'm in look i think the story has built up to a good point and i really feel like we're starting to see the payoff for the lack of a better term in the next couple of weeks, so um, I'm yeah, looking can, forward. You can to see it. the action's about to hit. Yeah, and it's, yeah. and it's um, preemptive, I think. And you know, the more it goes, you're, you're seriously going to go after them. Yeah, you're in, you're in for a world of hurt, like sitting right there yeah. behind the, the phantom shoulder. Um, that uh, picture that you showed showed just then. Where are you getting those images from? Because if you go on to 
Comics Kingdom at the moment, they don't put them in the in the rectangle like that. No, it's all, I, think, it's more... I think they're trying to get it more phone friendly. That that's my read on what Comics Kingdom are doing now. They're trying to produce it in the portrait style rather than the landscape. Mm. Um, and I think I guess that's so people can read it on their phones. I could read it on my phone fine before the, the way they used to do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying it's a good idea. It's a bad idea. Maybe that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Look, I like where that. I get them from is the phantomtrail.com. So if you want to, if you like them in the rect, you know, I guess the square pose. The traditional go to the, format. Yeah, go to the, yeah, go to the com. All right. So moving on to death in the Himalayas. Um, while I bring that up, um, one of you want to start talking about what you think about this story, where it's heading. Can't accuse of this one being too text heavy. There's been, you know, a whole yeah. week without any, any um, better say lyrics, without any words, and I didn't even realise it until it was mentioned in a social media post by the, by I think uh, Mike, I think. Yeah. So what you're talking about is this here. So, um, oh, what's the name? Savannah. Savannah. I was going to say Sandal, but um, no, Dan would have had a heart attack if. Sandal no, this is a good character. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got here on the second of Feb, shoots uh, Jamper, and then from the eleventh, on the twelfth, on the fourteenth, on the fifteenth, on the sixteenth, on the seventeenth, on the eighteenth, on the nineteenth. On the twenty first, on the twenty second, all the way to the twenty third. So that's almost two weeks, actually. When you do, when mm. you actually look at it, there is not. It's you know super slow no, super slow motion. Who it was is. that um, action di- uh, director? Was it John Woo or something? John Woo. Yeah. And then whenever he did like action movies, there was always that super slow mo. You would always have like a bird fluttering, which would take forever to flutter. It almost yeah. is reminiscent of that, of just like that real slow motion. Let's spend two weeks on one second. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It really gives you a good impact. And I think it tells you an important background of Savannah as well. And that you understand why she is such a tortured soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it'll be fascinating to see. And as you flick through it now, German, and the YouTube watchers will be able to see this. You've basically got the same panel on the left-hand side of Savannah um, looking at her as she pulls the trigger, basically, um, across those nearly two weeks, as you've said. Um, and, and it is. It's that backstory that you see all of the thoughts that, she's, that are flashing between her, before her eyes in that moment she pulls the trigger and... Um, it's, it's a really powerful sequence. It'll be fascinating to see how that um, looks in comic book form. And I always look forward to the daily story in particular in comic book form rather than comic strip form um, because I just it's a different dynamic um, seeing it all in a moment as a, at a glance rather than um, a day at a time. Um, yeah. At a day at a time, it, and, and we've talked about it, countless times when we've done the reviews and the of the daily stories is that you can be really um you can almost miss the point only reading a panel at a time but when you go back and read it you you, you get such an emphasis on the hatred 
Um, and, you know, look, I've, I've enjoyed it more and maybe I'm part of the microwave generation, but I've enjoyed it more when I can flick through yeah. each panel for the two weeks. Yeah. Um, so then the next kind of plot uh, of uh, this is when the school teacher kind of comes back and they looks like they're getting started for a few more deaths in plural, um, which is means that I think the next couple of weeks are going to be probably a little bit exciting as well. Um, so I'm interested to see where this is going. And it looks like Kit has found himself in the middle of um, uh, a little bit of a, a war going on. And this has probably got something to do with the curse or the prediction that basically this is going to be the end of the Walker line as well. So you can almost see what, how the death in the Himalayas lends itself to the end of the Walker line. So, um, yeah. What I like about this sequence, if you go back and forward again there, Jen, over these last few days, um, yeah, probably as far as that, and, um, is what Kit's wearing. You know, he's got the, well, it's not a trench coat, but it looks very much like a trench coat, and he's got Ooh. the hat on. He's into that phantom mode and, and yeah. wearing the clothes of an of the ordinary, traditional ordinary man. So, and he's, and well, you can see his eye in that first panel there, but he can't see it in the next one. It's just these little bits are, are, are Mm. Uh, sifting in or drifting in where he's becoming more fa- more elements of the phantom or more elements of mr walker are coming into to kit jr there almost looks a bit like indiana jones uh it looks more like the phantom <laughs> yeah no it's a good point think. about yeah he's got his eyes shown there but i i see what you're kind of saying with the yeah, yeah. no it's a very good point it's just beginning to drift in you know just kind of yeah not quite there but drifting in and out so, quick question. This is, I think, this is the last panel. When we would, when we saw the the title panel at the start about the death in the Himalayas, what was your thoughts? It was going to be. Did you think it was going to be Jumper? No, no. I always thought it was going to be Kit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it, they were trying to get us to think it was Kit, and I was hoping it was Savannah. <laughs> you, really, you really got you really got it in for fan. No, no, no. I quite like Savannah, but I, I really didn't want it to be Kit and it. Yeah, Jumper didn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. Now, just like you know, warm beaches never occurred to anyone, even though it's been in the stories yes. for the last however many years. So tell oh, us what? about this bit, Stephen or Dan. Oh, well, Dan, you do it, mate. Only because I've got the um, email from Tony ready to share. Um, because um, I, I don't, I, I need to. I think we just need to stop for a moment and recognise the the long game that Tony DePaul plays when he is writing for the Phantom. Um, and and I share this for no other reason than to to demonstrate that I'm certainly not trying to say, oh, Tony DePaul sends me emails or anything like that. But it was just a moment where he has taken the time to show us, I guess, um, a little bit behind the the scenes. Uh, for himself. So he explained to us that why the character of Jumper even exists is because he needed a reason for Savannah to go to the Mountain City. Um, and way back in 2016, August 24th of 2016, um, he introduces the character of Jumper who's bullying Kit. Um, and then 
also in 2016, so November 2016, for no real reason, he says um, that he wishes to retire to a country with warm beaches. And the way Tony's explained it to us is that's a little thing that he just put in the story almost just in case he wanted to use it later. And here we are six years later where he's gone, oh, that's a, a quirky thing that this character says, so we know something odd about him. Savannah uh, would never know that when the Phantom talks about Jumper with a verbal tick about warm, warm beaches, it's her Jumper, the one that she's been hunting her whole life. So when she hears that same phrase, retiring in a country with warm beaches, um, and the Phantom says it again here in November 2021, um, it leads to... Um, and here we are again, uh, an old policeman who wants to move to the beach. That's the phrase that the fandom has shared um, in his in his delirium to um, when he was when he was recovering from the the wounds that he had received when he was with Savannah, rescuing her from grave lines. He's said, "Oh, there's this policeman who wants to retire to warm beaches," and she's twigged, "Oh, that's my man." that I've been hunting my whole life and so seeks him out. So when Tony DePaul's written this story where we think Savannah's chasing after Kit for some reason, no, she's got no interest in the Phantom son. She's got interest in this policeman who, um, and ties back to her original story from 2008 or whatever it was when she was originally written. So it's just, uh, it's an amazing long game that Tony plays and, um, you said before, St Germ, about missing out on, on beats in a story. Like, unless you're paying very close, six years, um, it's just remarkable that, that that marker was put in place by Tony DePaul all that time ago. He's kept a hold of it and used it when he needed to. It's, it's unreal. Now, the other unreal thing is how you can get away with having close to 4,000 unread emails in your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, no, there's, there's a lot of junk there. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Stephen, anything else you want to add before we move on to the news? Nah, nothing else to add. Um, well done, Tony. You, you got us all with that one. Yeah, no, it was, you couldn't have said it any better. For those who are only listening to audio, do yourself a favour and bookmark this time period. Go over to YouTube and actually have a look at what Dan just kind of flicked through because uh, he gave the examples going from, uh, image examples of going from that period of time. It is worth doing. All right, so we're in our news section and I think we're actually doing pretty good for time as well. Um, so the first, know. well, we didn't start exactly oh, yeah. on time. At the turn of the clock, so <laughs> it's, we're, we're not up to two hours yet. So I think I think we're doing good for time. So the first bit of news that we want to talk about is uh, the news that kind of came out uh, well, about a month ago, which is that we're going to see some NFT artwork. Now that is mm -hmm. not WTF, you know that is oh. NFT. <laughs> Um, so Cybarry is going to be the first Phantom uh, artist who is going to be doing some NFT artwork. Now, Dan, did you want to um, bring up the newspaper, all uh, the articles that we've kind of talked about while we discuss it? Yeah, I can do that. Um, now, for those who don't know, um, we've got an article explaining what NFT is. Basically, it's digital art that is... Um, uh, what would you say? That is a non-interchangeable unit of data stored on a blockchain. 
So uh, that makes can, so much more sense. Yeah, <laughs> it can be sold and traded. Um, what can? Uh, NFT data can be sold or traded. Uh, look, if you go onto our website, we've explained it in the technical terms, but then we've also uh, linked, for instance, there's a kind of like an NFT. This, this bit here is the, is the most honest thing that you've said. <laughs> yes. And look, let's be still getting their heads around it. I've got no idea. <laughs> so look, an NFT has been around like for a year or so now. No, no, no. Oh, I mean, this type, oh, like, sorry, popularized yeah. in the last year or so with digital art and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I know NFTs have been around, but why? Like, the, I don't see any point to it. No, I don't, I don't either. And I'm sure much smarter people than me, you know, people invest in this stuff and whatever. But how is, how can you not just take a screenshot and you've got the. So, yes, you can make a copy of it and you can yeah. do screenshots and stuff like that. But you're not buying. I want to say the original because it's digital. But you're still not getting the original. You just got so a code on but, it. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a code on it, which means yeah, you can take a screenshot and you can probably stick it on your phone. But kind of, it, it's it's the same as say if you own original bit of artwork, which you, I got a couple yeah. behind me. So you know, there's nothing stopping Dan taking a photo of it. But I own the original, and then the beauty. I guess one way of looking at it, the beauty about having a, a digital original is that the fact that it doesn't fade, doesn't get destroyed in fires and, and, and stuff like that. And you said it as well. That Now, I'm not an expert in the area. I still don't quite understand it, but I'm a little bit younger than you, so that might be the reason why I sort of understand it. Um, <laughs> it's still um, a big whoop. It's a digital image. Yeah. What you want is the, the hard copy stuff. Yeah, well, look, all us, all the oldies would agree with you. Um, and I'm but, not just saying that um, for Cyber, I'm saying that for everything yeah, in the yeah, yeah, NFT no. business. But, well, hey, good on good on Cyber. We're recording yeah. this the day after his birthday. So happy 94th birthday, Cy. So <laughs> you know, love all of your work. Um, and, and I hope that it's. It. Sorry? <laughs> we just don't understand it. No, and look, I hope it becomes, it's really, really profitable. Yeah. Um, and, and anyone who wants to get involved, good luck to you. I, I won't be doing that because I don't get it. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Um, no, but, but good on Cy and, and his son, David, obviously, for um, taking this leap forward. And I hope it works out to be really profitable. Um, and I look forward to taking screenshots of any NFTs that are shared on Facebook. <laughs> so, and look, he's not the only Phantom artist who's been doing it. I'm pretty sure there's been a couple of others share things. No, I think this is the definitely. first one. No, I mean for actual Phantom stuff. This might be the first one, but other artists who have done the Phantom. Oh, they're, they're apparently a huge thing. I just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a huge thing. So for, because you know how a lot of artists are going away from traditional means to digital means as doing it. So it's another avenue yeah. for them to be able to sell their artwork. So in Jeff Weigel's terms, so that they're not leaving money on the table. Yeah, exactly. So we've we've discussed, you know, the importance of yeah not leaving money on the table. So it gives them another avenue to be able to do that. There's um, can't remember some names. Look, there's a lot of people that are a lot more clued on in that area of other artists who are, who are doing it and all that. But I've been following the trend for probably about a year, maybe eighteen months, and I was wondering who was going to be the first artist. My guess was going to be someone like um, Luca. 
or Jamie Johnson or, or, or something one like that might have been the first one to go down the NFT uh, route. But um, look, I'm very intrigued to see how it goes with Psy. Um, but Jim, you, yeah. you, you know, you've probably got more original than art than the well, certainly than us two put together, plus most listeners. Um, you've got original art on the walls. You've got it in folders. You've got it in storage. Um, are you likely to ever purchase an, an NFT no. and put it on a hard drive? No, I wouldn't. Hmm. Um, and but yeah, you know, I'm for me. I like. Well, actually, my favourite is either painted or pencils, um, purely because I believe you see more of the artist in either paints or pencils than you do in, say, inks, because the inks is kind of like the finished product, but the pencils, you see the mistakes, you see every stroke, you see what's been rubbed out, what's been erased, you've seen how they use two or three different strokes to try and make one stroke, and it's the same as with paint and stuff like that as well. So that's my favourite means of original artwork. But look, you know, it, I'll tell you now, Cyberry will sell some NFT and yeah. you know, it, it probably won't go for the hundreds of thousands of some, some versions of that, but it will be, it will be profitable. Uh, today I found out that the very first tweet is now an NFT. Of course it is. <laughs> Nothing stopping you from reading the thing. So what's going on in the pictures folder? I don't get it. <laughs> All right. Something that we do spend, get. We could spend forever on that but, and still get no further. Something yeah. we do get is podcasts. And really? <laughs> after 200 it's supposed to be short and sharp. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's TikTok uh, videos. Oh, um, See, that's uh, what I got on my wrist. That's a TikTok. The, <laughs> Um, so getting back to the podcast, uh, we're talking about the other podcast, which is the Phantom Never Dies podcast. Now, we have reported this on our website. Uh, the three of us listened to it. Uh, we've enjoyed we've enjoyed it. Um, in, you know, in, in a minute, each of you tell us what you're enjoying about it. And, you know, for those who haven't listened to it yet, tell them why they need to listen to it. Stephen, you go first. Um, I've been enjoying it because it gives us, um, it gives a nice history of, of the character of the Phantom, um, since its beginnings up to, well, I'm going to assume up to today, we're, we're up to the nineties at the moment. Um, and it's good f if you are a fan of the Phantom and have been following closely, none of this is going to be overly new, but if this is your, but if you have some sort of awareness of the Phantom and you think, oh, this could be interesting. Check out the podcast because you will learn learn a few things. Mm. I think okay. people who are an hour and a half into our podcast um, are not people who need to learn the, to listen to that other one to learn about the Phantom because they're already um, <laughs> armpit deep in the in the Phantom. Um, look, I I I think it's sensational. I really love it. Um, it's it's what half hour episodes or thirty five minute episodes, um, and it's. It, well, it's important to say that it's not it's not our fandom podcast, it, it, as in you know it's not what we do. It's a very different medium. It's an it's an audio documentary, and you're absolutely right, Steve. Someone who has only had a passing awareness of the fandom can listen to this, and I think that well, personally, I think you know, obviously I'm biased. I think they'd be fascinated by what they're hearing about um, all the different elements of uh, the history of the fandom and, and what it was the first 
um, in and all the rest of it, I thought it really hit its straps with episode four, which is the one that we've just um, listened to or the, the one that's most recent as we record this. Um, there's another one out tomorrow night, I guess, or, or Tuesday morning. Um, episode four was um, Uncle Kit. And I thought that the hearing the different voices um, that Maria Lewis, who's the, um, the producer and the host of the podcast, hearing the different voices that she's brought together, many of which we've spoken to at, at length on our podcast on Xband, and we're lucky enough to have had extended interviews with Glenn Ford and Cy Barry and um, Kevin oh, Patrick, okay. Roy and, and all of these guys. Um, but there's some of the other voices that she's also brought in. And, and as I say, particularly with episode four, I think we've all at different times, every Phantom fan uh, has probably at different times had to think about, oh, well, what are the, the potentially racist undertones of the premise of the Phantom? Um, and the way that it was explained by some of the Indigenous readers that Maria was able to track down and talk to, I thought that really spoke to me about how... Um, the Phantom character is different from the way perhaps a lot of people um, misinterpret it on face value. So, um, no, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. I can't, um, can't wait to hear episode five and six as well, and, and they'll be on high rotation uh, for me for quite some time yet. Um, because like you said, Steve, and, and I know I'm well over my minute, Jim, sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> This is why said, our podcasts go for so long, because we don't know the concept of one minute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, like you said, Steve, there's been nothing that's been said that's been earth-shattering or, or groundbreaking, really, for me as a, as a lifelong fan and fan. But there's certainly been enough interest to go, oh, that's, that's a really cool perspective or a different lens on looking at it. So, no, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was a couple of, uh, I can't remember what episode, but there were a, a couple of little bits or tidbits that she threw up, which I hadn't thought of or hadn't realised before or didn't, didn't know maybe. Um, but on the whole, it's very professionally done. Um, yeah. yeah, go and check it out. Yeah. Um, episode four is probably my favourite as well. I really enjoyed, like, the as you talked about, the hearing about it from the uh, from Indigenous' point of view. Um, you know, Indigenous Australians' point of view, that was, it was really encouraging to read that because, like, I see it and I don't see, I see some stories that have racist overtones from the past, like the 40s and 50s, but yeah. from a general point of view, I look at the fandom and go, well, I, you know, and, you know, I'm white, I'm, so I don't really understand it as much as uh, other people, but I didn't see that, and so it was encouraging and I enjoyed kind of like ah oh, yes i'm not the i'm not just don't have my rose tinted glasses on so um yeah. and and just yeah and it's very professional um they don't have people recording while kids are screaming in the background or recording in the car or or, or anything so like you can't that. hear the kids um, screaming in the background yeah. <laughs> but um, although they don't wake know, them up it's yeah it, it's a great podcast for those who are either coming back to the phantom or have you know read the odd comic or, or, or something it gives you a great understanding and a great uh foundation of the character and then when you become a hardcore fan if a ph of course that's when you probably listen to two hour podcasts like us no worries so let's move on to some exciting uh products first one we want to talk about uh dan i see you've got a new addition to your wall do you want to talk and uh, and show us your new addition to the wall? 
I um I, I'm excited that you noticed that germ. It's an hour and a half or so into the podcast, and here we are up on the up on the wall behind me is my uncut sheet of um of phantom trading cards. Um, I really really like this. Oh, well, trading cards they they're called. They're not really trading cards. Um, <laughs> you haven't got yourself there. Um, when you when you sell uh, twenty seven cards or twenty eight cards, really we should say um, as a set. Um, no one's trading these, but uh, gee, they're they're beautiful. We're, we're of course talking about the Phantom Generations um, set the, with the art from Jeff Weigel that has come out from through in the last three or four weeks. Um, and yeah, We've got a review up on our website as well and on YouTube um, if you want to have a look at it. But basically, that was just me talking about it. So we wanted to let uh, Dan and Steve have a bit of a. Stephen, you've got yours as well, don't you? Yep, I've got them here. They arrived this week. Hmm. And they're, yeah, they're very expertly done. The, the artwork's phenomenal. The, the card quality looks good. Well, great, I should say. I haven't um, had a chance to um, sit down and read the backs of all the, of all the cards with the biographies on, on the back of them. Um, and I'm beginning to mellow a little bit on this idea of the, of the costume now. And I've got a reason for it. Because I still see that, well, if we go to the last page of comics with the traditional skin tight costume that they all wear um i've been able to accommodate that in my thinking in that the what he's got the you know first through to um uh, pretty much the 10 uh 13 yeah, 14 15. sorry it's about it's 15 yeah 15. yeah up to about there that's his european garb that's his mr walker kit that he's wearing when he goes to um, Europe. And the reason why I think that is because the other day um, you were asking about that story, Patrolman Aurora um, germ. And so I was having a look at it and reading through it. And you look at the costume that the Phantom's wearing when he's over wherever he is. Um, what's the name of the place? Navarre. Navarre. And it's pretty much matches up with what Jeff's got the Phantom wearing in the, in the cards. Like, um, Oh, I don't know if you can see it there, but I'm looking on page eight. Um, he's got the he's got the clothes on, and you think maybe those clothes are actually purple. Maybe that's what he's wearing when he goes to goes to Europe. And so now I've 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 um I've mellowed on my anti um change the costume up because it's not the costume; it's his Mister Walker gear. It's a very interesting uh, point you've made, Steve. I'm still on the no. Um, no as in? I don't like it. Uh, look, I, I reckon the Phantom uniform is the Phantom uniform, but yeah. I can accept that as being the Mr. Walker uniform. Yeah, I, I, could, I could accept that. You know, look, don't get me wrong. I think the cards are brilliant. I love the art. I've brought one of the pieces of art. Uh, I, th I believe Jeff's still got some, so if there's a couple that you... That you that you like and you would like to purchase it, contact Jeff. Um, so yeah, you know I, I like the art. I brought one. Um, I love the cards. The cards are great, but I'm still and you know this is going to be me becoming an old fart. I'm still you know a traditionalist in the sense that the Phantom has to you know the Phantom costume has to be like that. However, in saying that, I could live with the Mister Walker side of things that you're probably talking about steve and you could almost make me sit on the fence uh <laughs> with your oh. argument 
and I'm going to throw a spanner in the works and say, I actually think um, that this makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, it makes sense, yes. Yeah, and, and I like the fact that the, the, um, the pub test, if you like, for me is would it fit the, um, the caveat of a grandfather saying to his grandchild, or, you know, yeah, grandfather saying to his grandchild, I saw the Phantom when I was a child and he looked like that. And I think if you look at any three, you know, any, any of these three apart, like grandfather to grandson, it's close enough that someone with an 80-year-old memory would go, yeah, that, that's exactly the yep. same. That looks, so um, it, it works for me. And um, I like that the first Phantom is actually really quite close to the skin-tight garb um, as it would have been done, you know, with the fabrics available of the time. Um, and and I hear what you're saying, Steve, about the Mr. Walker garb. I, I, yeah, I, I can go with that to an extent, but um, I just I just think that it, it makes a lot of sense. It ticks the box of um, grandfather to grandchild, um, you know, recollection. Um, and so I actually, yeah, I, I'm probably starting to feel like I'd be happy to look back at the Wilson McCoy and the the Cy Barrys where they've shown past fandoms in the skin type garb and go, well, that was what they thought at the time, but now we're moving more in a direction where it's a more realistic for the, for the time period costume. Look, I'm not quite ready to make this Phantom Law. Um, I think it would, for me to be able to accept it as Phantom Law, which I think is kind of like the question we're all kind of dancing around, is it would have to be done by, would have to be done in a few other uh, newspaper stories. So Mike Manley and Jeff would have to do past Phantom costumes using Jeff's designs. And then it would also have to be um, represented in some Team Phantom End stories or through stories. But through are to... doing that. Jason, Jason Paulos is doing that with his, um, with his guess well, what? It's an alternative uh, universe. Yeah, but we just said before that that was an alternative what-if universe probably about an mm -hmm. hour ago. So... Um, <laughs> so for, for me, until they until it kind of creeps its way into other stories, I'm of the opinion that it's a, a quirky one-off story. And I understand that, you know, you're probably going to say, well, it's been done in products. And I understand it's been done in products, um, but there's also a red costume and a yellow mm -hmm. costume and a blue costume. So, um, so that's where I kind of sit is that I'm a – it's not – I'm not ready to accept it as official Phantom Law yet. When it's it. in and you and you've already you, you've already mentioned that you love the cards um, the, the, as a product themselves. Oh, they're a must-have for anything. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Absolutely. Argument argument aside, I think I did, gave them as a four point five out of five. Um, where'd you dock the point five? Yeah, where'd, okay. where'd you, where'd you okay. lose? So the point five was due to the fact that some of the bio, biographical information was incorrect. Um, no, well, that, that's very opinionative. <laughs> I think that. Um, well, no, 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 no. There is actually some information that's incorrect. Like, uh, was it on the eighth or the ninth? Um, or was it the seventh and the eighth? Um, Barry Stubbersfield says that the that the Phantoms Lee Fort mixed up the Phantoms. It was supposed to be actually the sixth and the seventh that he mixed up the Phantoms, not the seventh and eighth. 
Um, there was also uh, some of the other information. That's was, funny. Was Mixing up which ones well. got mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> look, so around the six, seventh, and eighth phantom. That's yes, which which uh, which we all kind of was the same man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, and you know, when we talked about the what do you call it in our last podcast that we've just done, we've actually highlighted some of those. Um, like for instance, you had the the third, the fourth, and the eleventh married the married the same woman. Yeah. You've had the first and the second married the same woman as well. So, look, Lee think- did confuse a lot of things. Um, also, I think it was the twelfth phantom or the eleventh phantom. Um, no, it was the 11th Phantom. Barry Stubbersfield says that the Phantom married an Indian maiden, and then he talks about his wife dying, who was actually the Venetian woman. So he's kind of mixed, create he's mixed two women and merged them into one as well. So well, there was a couple of things that I didn't quite agree with, but they're very minor, and that's why it was only a 0.5, because everything else... I think you've been overly harsh, and that should have been a point to it. Point to it most. <laughs> Fair enough, um, but yeah, look, you can, like you said, Dan. Minor squabbles aside, they are an amazing set. Uh, I really enjoyed them. Um, you know, they fit very nicely with my with my Phantom cards, um, and I'm very happy with, especially with the price that I, that you pay as well. Mm. No, they're, they're good value. Um, so a couple of questions then for the group. Um, I'm, I'm very proudly displaying my my uncut sheet up on the wall there. Um, personally, I actually think that the uncut sheet is better um, than the cards because I really like having them up as a poster up on the wall that you can stand and look at and, and look through rather than flick through as a, as a set of trading cards. Um, Shouldn't you have got two so you can put them back to Right back to front next. No, I have seen I have seen people who have put them in a in a double glass frame, um, and and those exist and they're actually pretty cheap to get from Kmart or Big W or whatever. Um, so you could turn it around and, and read the back if you like. I didn't bother with that because I can read the back of the the ones in the folder if I ever bother. And it's not really about the the writing for me; it's the artwork. Um, so I just I just love the way it looks standing up on the wall there, and I've. I've you know, I'm going to admit publicly to being nerdy enough to have spent 10 minutes just standing there gazing at the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's questioning your nerdum. <laughs> no. um, are, you, are either of you guys likely to get the uncut sheet as well? Oh, I've got the uncut. I've got yeah. the uncut sheet as well. It hasn't arrived yet, but yeah, I've got it. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it takes a while to um, flatten down again because it's quite a stiff cardboard, obviously, and, mm. uh, and comes rolled up, but, uh, but well worth doing. Um, you said before, Jim, that you have got the um, the cards stored in. So, which folder did you put them in? In a file cards folder, in a universe folder, or with one um, of the? I put them in one of my custom folders, which has got other random phantom cards in it. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't put it in my universe or my file card because it's not a universe or a file card. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Steve, have you because th- you you still haven't put yours in a folder yet? Have you got plans as to where they're going? I was planning on putting them in the um in the folder that we got with the latest. What's the, uh, the gallery? Gal- yeah, series two. That's what I was planning on putting them. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it would fit better in a gallery folder than it would a file card or a universe card yeah. folder. Yeah, that was my idea. Put them in there. What did you think about the fact that when they arrived, they're already in the in the yeah. 
Jeez. Good, that was great, man. I didn't have to yeah. use oh, the really? other ones because yeah. <laughs> the the sleeves are so annoying. Like, you used to be able to just go to the news agent and pick up sleeves, um, but now you they're a lot harder to pick up the sleeves. You got to go on eBay is probably your best bet. You can usually pick really, up, like, yeah, you can get them at well, I'll get them on my comic shop, or you can get them at um, Zing, yeah, website, from through, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, they're not as easily readily available as they used to be. Like, I remember when I was buying footy cards and phantom cards, you used to just be able to pick up a couple of packs and pick up a couple of the sleeves that were right next to it. But a lot of news agents uh, don't stock the sleeves mm-hmm. as, as much. So I, I thought it was great. Meant they were they were protected. I got mine with part of my free subscription. Yeah, so do I. So it meant like the comic kind of acted as a as a as a board to protect it so it didn't get bent. Um, so look, you know Mine came with a graphic novel, so it worked the same yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's great because it means that, you know, most people have subscriptions. Most of the people that are going to buy it have subscriptions. So, in a sense, they've saved on postage as well, which yeah. is a smart way of doing it. Well, I guess uh, to play devil's advocate, as I, as I am so wont to do, I probably would have liked it. Send the four sleeves, but send the 28 cards. because, And I say 28 because the, the, the 28th one is the title card. Um, send the 28 cards separately. I, I enjoy the process of sorting through the cards and putting them in the in the folder. It's part of you know the touchy feeliness, I guess, of of um, of going through the collection. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it arrived. I'm like, oh, right. So I just put that in the folder and I'm done. Where I yeah, I, <laughs> I, if I talk about my file cards, this is this is a little Mikel Soul throne um, that I store my spare file cards in before I get a chance to to put them in their folder. So um, I, I like opening the packets, sorting through them, looking at each one in turn, slipping it in the in the pocket. Um, I must admit I like that too. You can still buy, um, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, boxes of the gallery set. So maybe you just need to buy a couple more of those. No, I have those, but I've already sorted through and got my set <laughs> All right. So moving on uh, to other products and stuff that you can buy, uh, Boss Fight Studios is posting Wave 1.0 and also Wave 1.5 out at the moment. Now, uh, some US fans have already got Wave Wave 1.0 and Wave 1.5, and uh, they're on YouTube. We've also got an article on our website as well. Um, Apparently, the orders have been so great that they've actually had to hire a new staff member to help pack, which is only it can only be a great thing. Um, the other thing, uh, if you ordered them through Boss Fight Studios as part of your pre-order, you probably have or you probably will soon receive an email saying that because these were ordered, what, back in 2019, we're now three years uh, still in the middle of a co- you know of a pandemic, uh, shipping rates have gone skyrocketed, and they can't actually ship them to Australia using the previous uh, charge that you paid for for shipping. So they give you an option. They've had to change company. Yeah, what's happened? It's not just the charge; they've had to change the company. So, did you receive that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you do, Steve? Or nothing yet. I've got to sort that out. I was, I'm still ticked off. Them. They're charging me more for a thing I've, mm. I th- thought of would be coming. I'm, I'm actually really annoyed. Yeah, I must admit I'm a little bit annoyed as well. And I would have 
preferred, and I know they're going to lose money, but I would have preferred that if Boss Fight Studios just honoured that. That's the yeah. whole point of a pre-order. Is, How much extra have you been asked to pay? Well, to be honest, I've asked for a quote and I still haven't received it, and that was three, four days ago. I've actually contacted Derek and just said, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah. But I think if you're really if you, ticked off about it, if you if you pay for a pre-order. You know, we all know that things go up in price. That's not our problem. That, from what I see, is that it's a boss fight studio's problem and they should honour um, the pre-order. That's how I personally see it. Um, when you've already paid for the postage, everything was quoted, everything's done. Yeah. All of a sudden, yes, the pandemic's happened and that's been devastating for everyone in that we don't want to pay extra for something that we've already paid for. Yeah. So I, I must admit, I'm a little bit disappointed with that. Um, I've expressed some of my concerns directly to uh, Eric. Um, haven't really received a response. So he said he's going to get back to me on some of them. So, um, yeah. But I, I, I'm kind of with you, Steve. Um, we're not on the fence on that one. Um, no. So, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. But the good news is, is that Wave 1.0 and Wave 1.5 it has been delivered to Boss Fight Studios mm. and they are shipping them out. That is great news. And we should, and that is very exciting. 2022 is still the year for the figure eight. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't end up going the pre-order, so now I'm curious to see if the, um, the, 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 the product, when it turns up in my local comic store, which is I've, I've had it on order there. Um, whether that goes whether, up. Whether that's more expensive than initially planned. I wonder for those big companies that have paid pre, that have done pre-orders, i.e., you know, let's just say your icons, you know, icon, uh, the comic book shops and all that, whether they have to pay extra for shipping or whether well, they get it at the same time. He does price. mention in his email that they've got some sort of deal with icons. So if you want to cancel your pre order and go yeah. through them, you may. I think this is getting. Oh, does he really? Yeah. yeah. And that's oh, just getting messy. Yeah. Just send me my Look, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Look, yeah, to so be fair, they do, problem, they do make, yeah, it's first world problem. To be fair, they do <laughs> make mention of that in the email, but. I think a little bit of goodwill can go a long way and yeah, you might lose out, but then it's kind of like, hey, you know, an email saying, hey, look, you know, this is the option. You could cancel it and we can give you money back or if you still want to do it, we're going to have to go down this route. It is going to cost extra, but we're going to cover it. Then we will be singing the praises of Boss Fight and how, you know, and how awesome they are and they're covering the costs and they'll be getting even more positive press rather than two disgruntled uh, customers like Steve and Jermaine. So when they put out their next one, we don't mind playing the next one because yeah. we realise this is happening. But yeah, uh, it's left a bad taste in my mouth. And let's move on to some good news. Yeah. So some other good, well, other good news is uh, NECA Defenders of the Earth uh, Wave 2.0 is out in June, July, which is featuring uh, Mandrake, Garax uh, and Lotha to go with Ming, the Phantom, and Flash. Oh, excuse me. Quickly, will any of you be buying them to complete the set? I plan on it. I've still got to get the first wave. I got the all clear to buy the first wave, but I haven't got them yet. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dan? Oh. Yeah, I guess it depends if I've got money in the account with um, when the local comic shop gets them in or asks if I want them in. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go chase them, but that said, I did get 
you know, I've obviously got a couple of phantoms because I wanted one to display and one in the box, that sort of thing. I did get a Ming and a, a Flash Gordon in the box. Um, yeah, the other three, if, if they turned up, I'd take them, I suppose, if I had money at the time. What about you, Jim? I must admit, I'm a little bit on the fence as well. Like, I would rather buy the variations of the boss fight ones. Yeah. Because they are phantom. Um, yeah. So they're my main priority. Again, if I've got money and I'm eyeing off a couple of art purchases at the moment, which will probably see me homeless or living in, in with a dog <laughs> outside. Uh, so I probably won't be buying them straight away. But it's kind of like I want to get the boss fight ones. I want to get the original Phantom one from NECA when it comes out. And then if I've still got money or, you know, I'm still married and live in a house and and stuff like that, and then they're there, I would probably buy them, but it's not a, a huge priority for me. No, and, and look, I'm not ever going to get those ones out of the box to, to yeah. pose and all the rest of it. So I guess Mandrake, then Lothar, then Garax is a distant third um, I'd be possibly likely to pick up. Mm. All right, some other news uh, is that the LFMBEC dinner number 33 will be happening in June the 18th of this year, which will coincide with Supernova. Now, look, it's exciting news. They do a great job. Um, we all wish we could go. We all want to go. The question, however, is will we be going? Dan, are you going? I actually think, because I, I saw that email came from Richard this morning, yesterday morning. Yep. Um, I think that date clashes with um, a family matter that I need to attend to. So um, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it this year. So in other words, if you do go, the family matter will be your funeral? <laughs> yes, a, a week later. Yes. <laughs> Stephen? I know I'm, in exactly the same, I'm in exactly yeah. the same boat as Dan. It's, it, is, it does clash with an important family event. Namely your wife's birthday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, I all in likely won't be going either. I've got two family members uh, that are quite sick, that are basically dying, probably won't see out at the end of the year. Um, we are concerned still about COVID and getting it and giving it to them and quickening their haste. Um, so it's probably a risk that is probably not the most wisest decision or not the... Not, it's a risk, not the wisest thing to, to risk um, and getting them sick and, and quickening that. Um, so I'm, a, I'm a probably a likely not. Unfortunately, I would love to go. Love Sydney Supernova. Love the dinners. Um, didn't get to go last year. Didn't, obviously, didn't get to go the year before. Um, it's going to be a, a big gap. And um, I've told the wife that basically if they're still alive this time next year, tough luck, I'm going. <laughs> Ah, uh, so that that is a real shame because we've enjoyed catching up there in the past, and um, uh, you know it is a fantastic weekend. So it's a shame that none of the three of us are going. I'm sure that um, we'll be able to find someone in the X band universe that um, will attend and record um, any of the speeches or the panels and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully we'll still be able to bring some fantastic um, Supernova and Leaf Memorial Bangala Explorers Club dinner 
content for everybody um, on the podcast, but unfortunately, yeah, looking like we won't be actually there to record it ourselves. And while we're talking about that, uh, it is worth giving a shout out to uh, Sean Bassett, who was able to record the supernova recording of Maria Lewis and Matt Kime at the March 2022 Melbourne supernova. That will be our next podcast, which will be episode 215. Um, So I did, was going to say that at the end, but I figure it probably makes more sense slipping in in here. Yeah. Um, so thanks Thank out to much. Sean. It's not it's not the first time Sean's um, contributed something like this, and uh, really appreciate it. So good on you, Sean. Thank you. Yes, thank thanks, you, Sean. Sean. So that will be our next podcast. All right, moving on, Stephen. This is going to be all you, my friend. I've got um, breaking news. I never have news. <laughs> now I have news. So it's, this news, it's a bit of a long bow, a bit of a stretch, but I'm taking it. <laughs> so um, the, the latest WWE video game was released this past week, um, WWE 2K22. And, um, what platform is that on? Sorry? What platform? Is that a... It's across all platforms. Um, is that on a PlayStation 2? Can I get it on my PlayStation 2? Nah, play, PlayStation 2 will be a bit of a stretch, but all the current platforms, so Xbox Series S and X... Um, and probably Xbox One. Uh, you can get it on PlayStation, uh, well, definitely 5, and I'm assuming 4. Um, it's also available on uh, Steam. And I'm, I'm going to assume on the Nintendo Switch, but I haven't seen anything for the Switch at the moment, but I've seen it on all the rest of it. Um, so what's this got to do with the Phantom, I hear you ask? Yes, what does it have to do what with What does this have to do with the Phantom, Steve? <laughs> well, back in 1997... This fella called Rey Mysterio, he wrestled another fella called Eddie Guerrero at a pay-per-view called Halloween, Halloween Havoc on WCW. Now, what was interesting about this match, it's also a classic match, and go, go and check it out. But what was interesting about this match was um, Rey's attire. And it was, he was, it was very much inspired by the recently released movie at the time, The Phantom. And very much Billy Zane's Phantom because it has lots of markings all over his chest and and what have you. Um, it's not a direct replica of the of the um, of the Phantom's kit or the Phantom's uniform, but it definitely pays homage to the Phantom. And Ray's done this throughout his career, career um, since he's you know done as Daredevil, Batman, and Captain America, and all that sort of stuff. But from what I can understand, the Phantom was first. And yeah. um, when h- hearing that this uh, game was going to focus on Rey Mysterio. I was really looking forward to it. I was hoping that, hoping against hope that um, they would include that match and that attire would be part of the match. And first game, first match of the showcase where you play through Rey's career is that match and out comes the uniform. And I was so happy. I'm there. Play- I was, I was, ex- <laughs> and I've actually got, I was able so to. Did you tell the wife that uh, buying the game was part of research? She has no idea I've got it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we are so in trouble if our wives ever decide to listen to our podcast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Anyway, I played the game and it was great. I've been able to capture um, some minutes of gameplay. And um, if you watch that, you'll see me get pummeled, especially at the start, because I'm still trying to remember how the, the buttons work and trying to figure out the screen cap screen capture rest assured i do win the match um but you don't get to see that bit um but what's really cool about um about this uniform the belt like there's been, always been a, an opportunity to create your own wrestlers in, in these wrestler games and often you see batman and people make superman i've tried to double try to make it a fan and never really worked out that well but 
having this costume readily available, well, once you win the match, you, you get the, the costume to use in your creative wrestler um, suite. Um, it really gives you a, a heck of a leg up to, to make your own phantom character. And it's got the belt. The belt is awesome. And actually, I'll, I'll bring it up. I've actually got an image of it. Right. Uh, so you're going to create an article for us and with some video. I've written the article. I just haven't had the pictures to it if I, if I want to be truthful about it. Awesome. Um, so I want to do that screen there. Can you guys see that? Yes. So that's in-game footage. So that's not a recording of the um, of the live match from back in 997. That's the, the graphics from the... Um, so this is the graphics from the game that you play? From the game. This is um, and this is, yeah, this is me playing. Um, um, and you can see the, the inspiration of the Phantom on yeah. Ray Mysterio's costume yeah. there. And looking down there, that belt, and I've got a... Um, I've got a, a closer up of it. It's just missing a ring. It's the only thing, like, he's, he's, yeah. got the, he's got the fist pose, and yeah, I thought exactly the same. It thing. looks very much. It looks very much like the heavyweight champion, doesn't it? The the story we talked about in the replica before, or, or the Masked Marvel. It does look like a Phantoms. Mm. Yeah, and there's the uh, there's the belt there. Well, there you go. I remember in a social media post the other day, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, we actually talked about would would it would having phantom skins in yeah. in games, you know, help create a bigger awareness. So obviously WWE listened to us and, um, <laughs> and brought that in. That's a, that's a great find, Stephen. Um, glad to see that. Um, you know, if you ever need ever need the excuse, you it's for awful research purposes. Um, so very good. That's what it looks like in the creation suite. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. And look, um, I don't know what sort of crossover there is between Phantom fans who are listening to this podcast and WWE fans, but I did go through a period in the uh, early 2000s of um, enjoying... I hadn't seen that match before, I didn't realise that, uh, but I, I certainly enjoy Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, but Rey Mysterio in particular is one of my favourite wrestlers, and the idea that um, I could get... Uh, a phantom-looking character to be performing Rey Mysterio moves in the in the wrestling ring. Um, that's that's a lot of fun. He's, he's an agile, he's an entertainer. As a, as a, Absolutely. I'll, and I look, I look forward also, to it's not the, the first time that that costume has been in a wrestling video game. WCW NWO Revenge on the Nintendo 64 in about 1998. It was also an alternative attire for Rey Mysterio mm. back then. So... Mm. I remember a mate of mine had that game and thought, hang on, he's wearing a phantom suit. What's going on here? Very cool. Mm. Very good. All right, so moving on, some other news we have. We've only got a couple more, so please bear with us. Uh, <laughs> quickly. Uh, I thought this was only going to go for an hour. <laughs> it was a quick one. I was going to throw extra stuff in. I'm glad we skipped over it. <laughs> um, Germany, there's a... a, a an author from Germany, oh, Christian, I believe his name is, uh, who's creating a German book basically on the Phantom's history in the country. Uh, this is going to be very, very detailed. It talks about uh, the German Hef series from the German Bastille series. Uh, Christian Blees. I knew it was. I knew it was Christian. Um, so this is a little bit about him. He's written 
uh, on our website about the book, about himself and everything as well. Uh, look, there's two different versions of the book. You can either buy the regular one uh, for 30 euro or the extra one, which has got um, an extra couple of 20 pages, I believe it is, which has got some, uh, which has got the wedding story published in Germany, uh, which is the first time I believe that story has actually been published in Germany as well. Um, look, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting read. Uh, obviously, for us who are dumb and only know one language, it's probably just going to be a nice coffee table reference book. But if you are from Germany or you can read German or you are a historian who is going to learn Germany just to be able to, to read this, I think it's going to be a very inspirational, a very awesome uh, read. And I will be getting myself one. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, having a flick through that. So history of the publication of The Phantom in Germany. Yes, which yeah. is actually quite larger than what most people uh, rec- well, most people understand. Yeah, as you pointed out on our last podcast with Peter Menigan and, um, you know, being one of the most prolific Phantom authors mm. in the world that, that so many people have never heard of. So mm. um, the Bastille series, and we know that they stray from um you know official lordom in terms of how many phantoms yes. there have been and that sort of thing which is a which is a relatively big deal the 20 the current phantom being the 21st is you know one of the 16th, first things yeah. you learn um yeah. for germany they're what at the 16th or 15th yeah, 16th. yeah so it, it that's not insignificant but it sounds like a fascinating uh, book to flick through at the very least yeah exactly uh, another bit of information trying to cut through it because i know stevens wants to focus on the next one um, is David Bishop is writing a phantom story where he visits New Zealand again. Um, so as you would probably understand, he was the author of Red Zone, which was a story featuring some uh, women that looked like the uh, Marshall sisters, or sorry, acted like the Marshall sisters, and the phantom battled them in New Zealand, which was the first time in a story uh, that has been published that, the Phantom was in New Zealand. This story will be a historical story where it will be Julie Walker uh, in New Zealand. We've got, again, we've got a link on it on our website. Now, what's actually interesting is if you can remember, and I'm sure there will be Phantom fans that will remember, but back in podcast number 117, which is 97 episodes ago, <laughs> uh, David Bishop actually talked about this story for and other phantom stories that he wanted to create, including the phantom visiting Australia again for a full eight minutes. Now the podcast was much longer than that. We'll say that up front, but they always are. <laughs> if you are interested to hear what he talked about, and I actually re-listened to the podcast to find this eight minutes and devoured it, listened to it twice and thought, Oh, that sounds good. And, heard the bit of the backstory about it um go to our website you can find an article where we've linked to the audio and all that as well it's worth digging out uh carrie lepinen has sent through some images some uh pr- some examples of the characters and of julie walker and everything like that in this story so uh check the website out and you will enjoy it um our last bit of fan news uh is that paul mason's kickstarter has been um, has met its uh, fund goal. Now, the reason why we make mention of this is uh, one: we're all Paul Mason fans. 
but also it's still open and some of the levels of uh, add-ons and of the levels and stuff like that have found some elements in there. So um, I know myself and I believe you also, Dan, has pledged. Yep. And I pledged to get some phantom stuff. Uh, yep. So it was kind of cool to be able, you can get signed comics, you can get posters that have all got phantom elements as well. So, you know, if you are a Paul Mason fan, um, you'll probably enjoy the story. I like Commando comics. This kind of feels like there's a bit of a Commando war theme going on as well. Um, but I also was also able to get a, a, a cool a cool poster um and i got uh, one of the commission levels as well so i'm excited about it um and if you want to get some paul mason artwork and some signed comics and stuff like this like that this might be uh something for you to look at as well uh Stephen, have you pledged yet i haven't yet had a few bills this past fortnight and i haven't don't actually pledged. Like paul mason. sorry don't you even like paul mason <laughs> Don't you go putting words in my mouth there, Daniel Fraser. Um, so when does the, Dan, while you've got it there, scroll to the top and how many it's days have you got left? So, so, so 25th of March, so 11 more days at the time of recording, but 25th of March if you um, are listening to this after the fact. Yeah, mm. and I was speaking to with Paul uh, the other day, and um, so the money doesn't actually come out until the 25th, of course. I've, yeah, I often forget about that with Kickstarters that you don't actually pay for it, like you Say you pledge it, and then it comes out on X day. So um, I should go ahead and pledge. And when I pledge, I'm going to pledge for the soldiers. The one that's got the soldiers' legacy um, uh, back catalog. Back catalog. That's what I'm looking for. Um, mainly because it's more Paul Mason work, and it's Paul Mason work that I don't have at the moment. So um, I want to. Yeah. I want to read those. I'm with you. I, that's the pledge level I went through because um, I've I think I've got one or two Soldiers Legacy comics, and I wanted to get the uh, the rest of those. Um, there's and and people will be saying, "Oh, this is not Phantom News," um, but it actually is because um, he's got he's actually done it quite cleverly, I think, in terms of the uh, the pledge levels and the different options because there's a Soldier Legacy option for for people like. Steve and I, but there's also commission levels. There's Kid Phantom levels, so you can pledge and, and get back, co back, back copies of Kid Phantom. Um, this one is all sold out, it would seem, but the Battlefield bundle um, included a, a copy of the, the Phantom 1830, which was the annual that had the, um, the first Phantom um, in Vietnam story that, kid, that, uh, that um, Paul did. So, and, and then there's, of course, and, and I've scrolled past them now, but the, uh, the posters, here we are, some of the posters that uh, Paul is displaying in the Brisbane City Library are also um, available at the pledge level too. So you can pick up a, an A1 poster of, uh, A1-sized poster of uh, the Phantom in Vietnam or the Phantom is, uh, um, or Kid Phantom artworks as well. So... Um, I know that um, some people have said, oh, well, you know, how are you leaning on the Phantom to, to sell your other thing? It just makes sense to me that, um, you know, yeah. you... Everyone does it. Yeah, you talk about work you've done before to promote your next work. It's um, completely sensible. Yeah. And, and most people have signed up, signed covers or comics from when they go to um, Supernova and all that. It's just a, you know, it gives you a chance to be able to get the other kid Phantom comics signed and... You know, there's sketch, there's sketchbooks, there's sketch covers, there's uh, work in progress books. Look, yep. lots of fandom stuff to uh, not just kid fandom, but um, 
uh, Vietnam as well to add to your collection. Um, and, you know, majority of people do like it. So, yeah. And we know now that the, the, the Flock, which looks like an interesting comic book in itself, is definitely going to be published now because it's already, as you said, it's already passed its um, um, minimum level. Um, and I think has achieved two out of its three, um, uh, what's the word for them? Extension Stretch level. Stretch goals. Stretch goals, thank you. Um, so it's already achieved both two out of the three and, and is within sight of the third. So there's going to be lots of pages of, um, of of what looks like a really interesting comic book and you can choose a, a pledge level that suits yourself and, um, yeah. Uh, another interesting point of news uh, another reason why we included this is because one of the updates, Paul Mason does make mention that he has just received the green light for some more Phantom short stories as well. So um, that's exciting because we've all loved the stories. Um, so the fact that we're going to see some more, probably won't see them until uh, 23, 2023, but um, the fact that we are going to see some more is pretty exciting. It's, it will be interesting because the way Paul's talked about it in the past is there's there's actually a number of stories that Phil have already got. So we've, I think, seen three or maybe four Phantom and Vietnam stories. Um, I got the impression there was closer to eight or nine that he'd already sent in. And he's got the green light for even more again. We could be looking at Phantom and Vietnam stories for, for years to come, which is very exciting. Yeah. An upcoming graphic novel or trade paperback maybe. That would be cool. All righty. I will thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you for rabbiting on the Phantom with me. Um, I hope you, our listeners, have enjoyed it and uh, managed to stay with us. Um, as always, you can find us on our website, which is chroniclechamber.com. Our email address is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know whether you've enjoyed it, what you have enjoyed. Uh, we've asked some questions during the podcast, especially with the comics reviews. Let us know your feedback on that. Uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Press the bell. You know where the bell is. You'll be notified as soon as a podcast or a review gets up. Um, if you uh, prefer social media, we are on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, you can uh, also subscribe to your favourite podcast apps we're on itunes we're on spotify and we are on a few others as well so thank you for listening stay safe everyone uh there's still plenty of people battling with covid so please stay safe um dan and Stephen, thank you for your time uh from myself uh and to you the fans happy phantom happy phantoming everybody make sure you go and get yourself an uncut sheet of these phantom cards they're unreal that looks superb, man. Happy Phantoming, everyone, and may you all stay safe battling the pandemic and those who have been in flood-ravaged communities um, this, this past um, couple of weeks. Um, we're all thinking of you and doing what we can. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds.